This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Listeners. Hello, friends. Glenn Butler here, speaking for the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, where today we are talking about another spectacular place to be nation's holiday tournament spectacular, which is launching this Thursday into Friday at midnight as Thanksgiving turns to Black Friday and the holiday season blasts off the launch pad. But I can't do this alone. God knows I can't do this alone. So I am welcoming back into this studio, in in our minds, Mr. Steve Willie. How are you doing today, Steve? I am pretty good. Um, yeah, the studio is in our minds. We have developed some virtual reality technology that is going to um, really just mind meld us together to tackle what is quite possibly the most important tournament of all time. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean... I don't know what people are talking about with, with their sports balls and such. No, no. Um, my sports balls, I have a lot of them. Uh, they are round, they are colorful, and they they go into holes. That's really what you want out of a ball, right? Exactly. That's what I teach my children. Exactly. Speaking of, we have someone else to welcome to the show, and that is my own flesh and blood, my brother, Mr. Scott Butler. How are you doing tonight? I am doing rather well at the moment. I finally got Skype to install, and, and, and so that was quite a trial, but I've accomplished that task, and now I'm ready to go. Bang on. All right. Hopefully it will last for eight nights. Skype. Hopefully, hopefully this podcast <laughs> won't last for eight nights. If this computer lasts for eight nights, it will be a miracle. <laughs> sure. We have got the modern Maccabees here at Place to Be Nation. Now, we're doing this tournament, of course, because we like to do tournaments, and because the holiday season is something that is near and dear to so many different people, and it's wrapped up in nostalgia, and it's wrapped up in memory, and in mass media, of course, as we will see very soon. But it means something a little different to different people, and... I have assembled a panel here today of people who I think have a very special perspective on that, as all three of us are uh, people who were raised Jewish and have assimilated significantly into uh, mass American culture. Uh, Steve, what, what do you think your experience is with the holiday season um, well, like many fam- families, it's stressful. Um, I, uh, my mom's side of the family is Jewish. My dad's side of the family is Lutheran. So if you really want to take off both sides of the family, you declare yourself Jewthran. And we would celebrate both holidays, both Christmas and Hanukkah. Um, but we were like middle class, so it wasn't like a big deal. I know that there were some communities where the Jewish kids would get you know, eight days of presents, and then the eighth day they got, like, a new Nissan or something like that. Um, but but we did, you know, kind of moderate 
type presence. Um, and then when I went to a Jesuit university, so my my poor my poor Bubby, my my poor grandmother thought I had to become a Jesuit if I went to a Jesuit university. Um, and then I, I married a a Christian. So as we were raising our kids, um, pretty much to celebrate everything. So we will be doing um, Christmas. We will be doing Hanukkah. Um, who knows? We might do some sort of pagan ritual where we light fires in the community. I really, really hope you do because there aren't enough people uh, really carrying the flame, literally and not, uh, for the old school pagan rituals. <laughs> and and really, you cap off Hanukkah with a new Nissan. Is that like, is that like those tacky TV ads that we have where someone? gives where this guy gives his wife a car for christmas is that what those ads are like in israel i think so um i think that david leisure is doing the joe suzu uh gimmick in israel right now that's that's a throwback right there that is a that is a reference that really nobody's gonna get incredible (laughs) (laughs) unless someone watched empty nest uh, I, I did wa- I did watch Empty Nest, but I'm sorry, it was too long ago to really hook in there. <laughs> uh, Scott, um, we had kind of similar experiences of the holidays, I think. One would think. <laughs> Unless we're remembering things completely differently, but... That doesn't happen. No. Uh, but you... We're around for a few more of them than I was, being the older Ooh. brother. What uh, is your experience uh, growing up? What what does the season bring to mind for you? My experience was really rather similar, where we sort of celebrated both. We'd do Hanukkah, and then we'd do Santa on Christmas morning. Um, not actually celebrating either holiday, beyond, you know, lighting candles and getting presents, and then getting up in the morning and getting presents was basically the extent of our celebrations. Yeah, because I know we, we have a bunch of old home movies somewhere around here that, like, our, our mother had this huge camcorder from, like, the early 80s, and she would record, you especially, this kind of phased out around the time I came along. It only happened, like, for a little while when I was a kid. But I know there are more videos of you, like, opening your Christmas presents, like, in the early 80s and such. Well... My experience, because we didn't really celebrate either holiday beyond the gift giving, neither neither holiday really made much of an impact to me. It was just an opportunity to get stuff. Yeah, well, I, I think it's that way for a lot of people, really. And, it and, still is for me now. <laughs> so the season itself never really took on a great meaning for me. Sure, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. I, I think basically... Uh, similarly, it, it's it's just that, you know, we stopped doing, like, the stockings and everything when I was, I don't know, like, nine or ten. I have no idea, you know, how long Goyim do it. But, you know, we, we kind of lost all those trappings. And it was just, hey, today's a day when you get gifts and you're off from school and stuff like that. Uh, but... The holiday season is also a time for lots of events and lots of movies and lots of TV shows and lots of music, and that is what we are going to get into in our tournament. 
And we start, we have four regions, 128 items, which is a whole lot. So let's get into it. We start the Whoville region with the overall number one seed, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, of course, against the number 128 seed, Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. Which we pretty much only, probably only put in this thing because it stars Hulk Hogan and we are uh, the place to be your wrestling and pop culture site. Uh, but the Grinch, obvious, obvious number one seed. Uh, it's a cl- Everyone loves it, right? It's a classic. Steve, what do you think? Well, I think uh, Cindy Lulu is a great shooting guard. Um, she's going to really uh, hit it home over Hulk Hogan. Oh, wait. This, this is the wrong tournament that we're doing, huh? Um, I, I, this is, yeah, it's an iconic cartoon. Um, I, I think that it goes across so many generations that you know my kids know it, my grandparents know it. Uh, it, it was kind of a no-brainer for a number one seed. I, I think it got perfect. You know, we ranked these going in, and I think it got perfect tens across the board. So it's going to be a, even with you know the people who are going to be voting for this. I think it's going to be a pretty difficult one to beat because I mean, Dr. Seuss crosses so many different cultures and and you know just lifestyles. Pretty much, like everybody knows this story, and it's it's a fun one. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's got everything, right? It's got the distinctive animation style. It's got the distinctive rhyming structure. It's got Burl freaking Ives. Scott, what do you think about Burl freaking Ives? <laughs> Is Burl Ives in How the Grinch? Are you, are you sure you're not thinking of Rudolph? I believe you're thinking of Thurl Ravenscroft in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh my God! I well, screwed, this is just I totally... screwed, I screwed up the first seed. Ah, <sighs> man. I didn't know that Burl Ives was blacklisted in the communist hearings. Really? This is, yeah, this is like the other Scott reading Wikipedia on here. <laughs> well, certainly glad he, he got out of that. But yes, yes, Thurl Ravenscroft. I, I, am, I am deeply ashamed and will be for the rest of the show. Anyway, Scott, what do you think about the Grinch? I'm a big fan of Thurl Ravenscroft. I think his songs are really good. Thanks. Rescue me, please. Well, it's like Steve said. This is a no-brainer. There's nobody doesn't like how the Grinch stole Christmas. There's, there's, there, I don't even know what to say about it. It just is. It's not. It's not even something you can like analyze and say. Well, here's its good points and here's its bad points. It just is. It's how the Grinch stole Christmas. It's, 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 it is constant as the Northern Star. Yeah, it is absolutely totemic, as I like to say. Uh, our next matchup has something that is similarly known to all, although maybe not with such a warm glow. Uh, We have number 64, Please Come Home for Christmas by Charles Brown, versus number 65, Christmas Don't Be Late by Alvin and the Chipmunks. Steve, let it loose. Okay. First of all, I thought that I had to look up Charles Brown because I thought it was Charlie Brown at first, and I did not recognize the song, so... I, I had to do a little bit of, of research to find out who Charles Brown was. Um, that being said, it could be like the leftover stink from Pigpen, and it would still defeat Alvin and the Chipmunks, who, quite frankly, are the worst animated show in history. Um, the song is annoying. The concept is annoying. The fact that they come back and have 
like live action movies with with bad CGI is incredibly annoying. The fact that they have sequels makes me want to stick my finger down my throat. Uh, 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 so uh, 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 I'm going to pick Charles Brown. And if Alvin and the Chipmunks win, ISIS wins. ISIS wins if Charles if Alvin and Chipmunks wins. Now, now, Steve, I, I, this is turning into correction hour. I'm afraid I have to correct you. They didn't have a sequel. They had a squeakquel. That is true, and and they they have a, a another squeakquel coming out shortly, as I as I did see the preview at the Peanuts movie. Oh no! Yes. Well, I, you, well, you know, it, if you only get an eight year old to laugh because you say "but," your movie sucks. Got Glenn to laugh. Uh, I really, I really don't think I have any anything to add to that. I, I don't feel as strongly as you, but I do agree with you in principle. Scott, what do you think? I don't really have anything against Alvin and the Chipmunks. I think they have some Christmas songs that are sort of, you know, well liked just because they've been around forever and they've sort of achieved classic status just from continued existence. But I don't have any great attachment to them, so I haven't. I don't remember this particular song. So I would probably go with, uh, what's the one other one called? Please Come Home for Christmas. Yeah. So I would probably go with Please Come Home for Christmas just because that's the one I remember more strongly. Yeah, that's that's one of those that I see the listing and I know it's a song, but I'd have to like look it up and listen to it to remember which one. I remember the song pretty well. It's a good song. It's fine. Okay, sure. I wouldn't say I love it, but it's a perfectly good Christmas song. Uh, moving on again. We have the number 32 seed, Winter Wonderland by Bing Crosby, versus the number 97 seed, the uh, Justin Rosero special, the Sirius Holly Channel. Uh, I do not have Sirius Radio, so I don't know from all these stations that Justin keeps talking about. Uh, (laughs) Is he still talking about the uh, boat rock thing? Yes, actually, I think he did just tweet about it the other day. Cool. Um, Well, you know, I I admire someone with that sort of resolve, nonetheless. (laughs) I do have satellite radio, and I believe that Sirius Holly is like a contemporary look at Christmas. Um, so you're going to have like your Mariah Carey, um, your who are some contemporary, like probably like a Josh Groban. Um, I'm sure Josh Groban has a great many Christmas songs. And I'm 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 looking it up right now. What's a pentatonics? I hear the kids talking about a pentatonics lately. And I am not sure what it is, but it frightens me. <laughs> That's I'm out of I'm out of I'm out of the loop on contemporary pop music. I have like very much niche uh, niche uh, not Andrew niche uh, pretty much niche uh, musical likings. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I've always been out of the loop as as to the pop music. So I'm not, not the best one to ask there, uh, but uh, Bing, of course, is a, is a classic. He's one of those old style singers whose voice is just smooth like butter. Yeah, like like a like a whiskey of some sort. The only like problem, the the hard part about this one is while Bing Crosby is just a you know a wonderful famous singer, like Sirius Holly, you get a mix. You know, it goes on forever. It just keeps going. I think they started in like October. Probably really? goes through February. I'm, I'm sure at this point. Um, so you get a wide mix. See, th- see, that's interesting that it would go on that long because I know Christmas starts coming, you know, earlier every year. But 
my perception is still, you know, come Boxing Day on the 26th, like, I'm done with Christmas. <laughs> like, like, it lasted for a couple of months or so, and I'm, I'm done, it's gone. Uh, it, it looks like November 2nd to December 30th, so two months of Sirius Holly. December 30th, I, I can kind of see. I, I, I suppose I, I do get that, but... Man, I don't know. For me, it, for me, it's just you know, it, it's the twenty sixth. Christmas is over. There's no more Christmas. Uh, moving on again, we have another uh, classic, uh, "Let It Snow," and we chose the Dean Martin performance this time versus our first Jewish representation of the evening, the experience, the thrilling experience of of hitting that gimel in dreidel. Now, dreidel, of course being a Jewish child's version of gambling. Right. It's like it's like uh fan duel or uh what's the other uh hopefully fantasy less, daily fantasy? Hopefully yeah. less rigged. Yes. Unless you've got a special weighted dreidel. There was a big scandal about weighted dreidels in the 70s. Oh, oh. the Michigas. <laughs> you know, I played a dreidel on fan duel and I won a million pieces of gale today. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, at, the at the beginning of dreidel season, on the first day of dreidel season, they have a big first Gimmel giveaway. Yeah, that's July 4th. Um, <laughs> it, it is July 4th, yeah. And and they drop... Um, well, there's a special code. It's, don't you get, like, 30 days for free? It's like... I think it's next year in Israel, I think, is the, the, the code that you have to put into the website. Yes, and their award ceremony at the end of the season is next year in Jerusalem. Yes. Ugh. Oy. Um. Yeah, I think the first time you hit Gimbal is pretty exciting, but it also depends what you're playing for. Are you playing for Coke? Are you playing for chocolate coins or M&Ms? Oh, see, when, when, when I did it in Shul, it was always for Gelt. Yeah, it was it was never for any other sort of treats. It was those, you know, uh, yellow net bags with, with like six or seven pieces of gelatin, and everyone just tosses them in. And for the uh, the non initiated, like it's like chocolate coins, basically that you can pretty much get at any candy store, and they're like, I don't know, grade D uh, chocolate. Yeah, it's not very good chocolate at all. Yeah, it's like the like the Taco Bell uh, quality uh, beef would be um, a, a good comparison. It's the Taco Bell ground beef of chocolate. I need a clarification on this matchup. Is the is dreidel its own entry somewhere else on this list, or is this the representation of the classic time honored game of dreidel? I believe this is the only uh, thing we have for the game of dreidel. The sport okay. of dreidel, really. Okay. Right. If this is representing the entire sport of dreidel, then it it changes the way I would vote in this matchup rather than if this were solely representing the lone experience of hitting Gimmel within the sport of dreidel. Right. I, I think we tried to go for the highlight of the game to represent the game and sport. The high spot, if you will. Exactly. It's like the moon salt of dreidel. Exactly. <laughs> Moving on once more. 
We have the number 16 seed, Elf, starring Will Ferrell, versus the number 113 seed, WWE's Tribute to the Troops. Which, I haven't seen the last few years of Tribute to the Troops. I understand that it's gone... You could. I don't want to say it's gone downhill because they haven't been in Afghanistan when the reason they haven't been in Afghanistan might be because there are fewer troops in Afghanistan, <laughs> which is, you know, not a high price to pay. Not not having a wrestling show over there is not a high price to pay for not having as many soldiers there. Uh, versus Elf, which um, I didn't think was a great movie. It was fine enough, uh, but seems to have become one of those like new Christmas classics. Uh, Scott, do you have anything about about either of these? Well, I've never seen Elf. So by default, oh. I would, by default, I would already be leaning toward Tribute to the Troops, but I actually like Tribute to the Troops. Even if the last couple of years haven't been as good as the beginning, the first five, six, seven, eight years of Tribute to the Troops, I thought it was a really, it was a really good idea, it was a really good thing they were doing, the whole tour they did, going around to various bases around the world, I thought that was a really good thing. Sure, uh, they, they did always have a nice uh, segment with Santa Foley, right? Yes. And one year, I, I believe, they had Santa R-Truth. <laughs> Which, which um, I hope was the clip that I put into the uh, tournament post at placedbenation.com. Well, one year, didn't they have Santa JBL, and then Santa Foley came out and beat up Santa JBL to the jubilation of the assembled troops? I believe so, yes, because obviously Santa JBL is, he's not going to be giving presents out. I mean, seriously. No, he's like a hedge fund manager, essentially. <laughs> yes. Oh, he was, he was... He was just there to say horrible things about the soldiers who had enlisted to gain citizenship. Right. Mm. Indeed. Uh, Steve, uh, have you seen Elf? Yeah, I've seen it a couple times, and um, I've seen it when it, I saw it when it came out, and I saw it re- last year with my children, and it's funny. And you know, there are so many like modern day. Uh, like ABC Family, twenty five days of Christmas movie schlock out there. That this one stands out. Um, it you know it was a mainstream movie, and I, I have to say I'm smitten with Zoe Deschanel. Um, she's a kook, but she's an enchantress, and uh, she can do no wrong. Even though he she just named her child Otter, after an otter. That is legit. I'm not making a joke. Any specific otter, or just the whole species? I think just the whole, the whole species. It's the middle name, but you're still naming your kid otter. I like how you specified she named the kid otter after an otter, as if she may have named the kid otter after some other person who had already been named otter. Right, like Welcome Back Otter, that uh, that show from the 70s. You know, she named her child in honor of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. <laughs> By the way, better be coming up later on this list. We'll see. Spoilers. We'll see. Um, I, I also have to say, th- thinking back about Elf now, I mean, Will Ferrell's all pretty much always funny, right? And this one right. also had Bob Newhart in it, didn't it? Yes, yes, and, um, it always, did, and he was wonderful in it. Wonderful yes, in the movie. Al- al- always, always very, very glad to see him. Uh, so I am glad to hear that it's held up. Yeah, there's a great scene in the beginning where Bob, Bob Newhart, who's basically uh, Will Ferrell's adopted father, um, holds giant Will Ferrell on his tiny little elf lap and is rocking him in a chair, and it's just, it's just adorable. 
Awesome. Uh, well, our next matchup, moving on, is Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney versus Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I don't know how I missed it as a kid, but I don't think I ever saw Mickey's Christmas Carol. Hmm. Uh, Steve, did you? Yeah, I did, and this is my first really hard one to pick because I enjoy both of them. Um, I don't care for many Christmas carols. Um, I like a few of them, and I tend to like the really traditional, like, Bing Crosby ones like we talked about before, and um, just a couple of the, you know, kind of 80s and 90s ones. And, I, you know, I don't know exactly when this Paul McCartney one was made. Maybe it was, you know, more of the 70s, but this is one of my out of my top favorites. So I'd have to lean to that. Um, Mickey's Christmas Carol is is just what it looks like. It's just a Christmas Carol with, um, you know, with Mickey, uh, with Disney characters, more mainstream Disney characters, so... If, if you've seen the regular one, it's 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 cute. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, you, you can do that with any you know, group of, of cartoon characters that you have, as I think we'll see again as we go through this. Uh, Scott, what do you think about this matchup? I know I've seen Mickey's Christmas Carol, but it doesn't exactly stand out in my mind. It was just sort of, like Steve said, just sort of a bog-standard Christmas Carol story with Mickey in it. Uh, wonderful Christmas Time... Again, it's not one of my favorite songs, but it's fine. It's a good song. It's it's a it's fine. Yeah, I think the uh the synth lines in that song just kind of bug me a little. How it it's this like because of, you know, when it was made, it was in in style and everything. Yeah, a lot of Paul McCartney songs had that at that time. Yeah, definitely. That there's this, you know, banging, sproinging like synth bassline almost that kind of gets on my nerves. Um, but that's just me. See, I don't mind that. I just, I just see it as, a, as like I said, it's like a signature of Paul McCartney songs from that time. So. Sure, yeah. Uh, with it would have been with wings, right? Unless I'm misremembering. <laughs> it's around that time. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That's anytime you see Paul McCartney and wings, the that song just pops in my head. Well, that is a classic song. Yeah, it's like a Pavlovian response. That is yes. a classic song, but I prefer the Guns N' Roses cover. Indeed. Our, they didn't do a cover of Wonderful Christmas Time, but if they did, it would have been awesome. Oh my god, if Guns N' Roses had done a Christmas album? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but which incarnation? Is like Buckethead involved? Because then I'm out. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's gotta no. be like it's gotta 92. Be- yeah, it's got to be like eighty between eighty nine and ninety one Guns N' Roses, not Chubby Magoo and the guys who aren't Slash. Well, I'm thinking more like Spaghetti Incident was ninety three, wasn't it? So we're talking like Use wasn't Your Illusion like, years. Yeah, yeah, Use I Your suppose. Illusion I think was ninety one, and then yeah. Spaghetti Incident was I think ninety three. I guess yeah, I think it was ninety three. I think you're yeah, right. ninety three so, or ninety four. Yeah, so so if they had done you know in, in like ninety two, ninety three, a bunch of Christmas songs, can you imagine how much that would rule? Wow. So this is like, awesome. my my new gimmick in the last 24 hours is Peak, Peak, Pink Guns and Roses would be Use Your Illusion Tour, that era. I've done Peak Dudley's yesterday. The Undertaker cat video on RollingStone.com is Peak Internet, quite frankly, if you haven't seen it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I just saw uh, looked it up when you were talking about it before. It is fantastic. Yes. So Peak Guns and Roses. I like it. Speaking of Guns and Roses. <laughs> what? Well, I guess. I guess you could do that. Uh, spe- speaking, of, speaking of the rock and roll, 
Uh, our next matchup features the number 17 seed, non-expiring gift cards, <laughs> versus number 112, Run Rudolph Run by Dave Grohl and Lemmy, which I first heard of when we were talking about things to put into this tournament, and I looked it up, and I listened to it, and I was not a fan. Uh... Steve, what do you think? I love Dave Grohl. I'm a big Foo Fighters fan, but uh, yeah, this is that is not for me. And I actually nominated non-expiring gift cards. Like, think of it this way: it, this is not that long ago, you know, a year or two ago, that gift cards expired or lost value over a certain period of time. You have a child who gets a gift card, maybe playing with it a while, puts it somewhere, you lose it, you find it a year later, kid gets really excited, you go to your Target, you go to your Toys R Us, you hand it over, they say, oh, there's nothing left on it, and you watch what happens. It's, it's, it's World War III, it's terrorism, it's, uh, it's basically everything wrong in the world right there. So non-expiring gift cards, it is, it is really the free market at work um it is capitalism at its finest and and I, I think it needs to go pretty far along in this tournament well um i don't know it might just have been the last couple of years that wisconsin got the gift of non-expiring gift cards but i think that went state by state because i know in connecticut there was one public official yes. that we have that was who, the first thing I thought of when you mentioned them. Yes. That was what I thought of when Steve nominated this, that we got, we here in the sunshiny state of Connecticut got non-expiring gift cards around 2004 or five, Wow. due to a, a lawsuit brought by a public official we have whose single purpose in life as attorney general of the state of Connecticut was to bring lawsuits to help people. And that was a man who is now our senator, Mr. Richard Blumenthal. Scott, talk a little bit about Dickie Blumenthal. Oh, <laughs> Richard Blumenthal, there's an old saying in politics, and it applies greatly to Senator <laughs> Blumenthal. The most dangerous place earlier in Hartford, now in Washington, is between Richard Blumenthal and a camera. <laughs> This is usually said as an insult, but Richard Blumenthal is one of the rare politicians who used his powers for good. He as a he was a long time, what was he, like 20 years, he was Attorney General of Connecticut. At least. He sued everybody. <laughs> People that had gift cards that expired so you couldn't get your money back out of them, Richard Blumenthal sued them. Phone cards. Phone Big cards one. that expired, Richard Blumenthal sued them. MySpace was being used by pedophiles to trap victims. Richard Blumenthal sued him about four times in one year. Richard Blumenthal went after everybody, and it was always to the benefit of consumers or constituents or the general public, the general populace of the state of Connecticut. Richard Blumenthal, I, I often liken him to the ACLU, where even when he went too far... And he filed some lawsuit where my first reaction was, eh, I don't know, I kind of think the company's fine there. I don't, think the, I don't think the attorney general needs to be harping on him about that. Even when he went too far, it was still the sort of thing where, okay, I'm glad there's somebody willing to go too far. Because there's far too many people aren't willing to go far enough. So you go, Richard Blumenthal, go, go overextend yourself on this issue, that's fine. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an unabashed Richard Blumenthal, attorney general Richard Blumenthal fan. 
Uh, yes, Attorney General Richard Blumenthal was very popular in our home. Senator Richard Blumenthal hasn't made as much of an impression, but I'm sure he's doing fine. Well, he's a fairly junior member of the Senate. Yeah, he, he was he was just elected. Plus, he's one of 100, not like the guy filing all the lawsuits. Yeah, although he is now the senior senator from Connecticut because we've had our bit of turnover. But, anywho... And I've never heard that song, although I am a Dave Grohl fan. I do like a lot of Foo Fighters songs, but I've never heard that particular song. So I would be strongly on the side of Attorney General Blumenthal's non-expiring gift cards. Exactly. And for any listeners in uh, states or nations or jurisdictions that maybe don't uh, have this gift of the non-expiring gift cards yet, write your representatives, write your Attorney General, get the ball moving. I, I would go a step further and call in the National Guard if you can. Obama, please! Yes, just call, yeah. <laughs> that, this has been Politics Hour on the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour. <laughs> local Politics Hour. Connecticut Local Politics Scott, Hour, yes. we got to get Scott Criscolo in here, and the three of you guys can just have a bloodbath. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> yeah, I think Scott might have a different view on Connecticut Local Politics. He, he was not as big a fan of lawsuit-happy Attorney General Richard Blumenthal. Uh, we haven't discussed the topic specifically, but I'd assume... Not as much. <laughs> Our next matchup doesn't feature any politicians. Damn. Uh, our next matchup is the Metallica version of Carol of the Bells versus uh, the little drummer boy duet between David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Uh, I, I love this David Bowie and Bing Crosby video just for the fact oh. that it exists. Yes. And and just for the fact that this combination is a thing that happened in the real world, and apparently they got along rather well, as well, when they were filming it. That's what I read, yeah. So, uh, that that is just, uh, just something I'm glad is there. Uh, whereas, uh, the Metallica version of Carol the Bells I actually quite like, because uh, it's Metallica with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I believe. Or some sort of orchestration. Um, and that's sort of, like epic, overblown version of A Christmas Carol is something that uh, kind of pushes my buttons. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, we had cable for a, a few years when I was a kid, and MTV would have Christmas videos out of the David Bowie. I didn't even know really who Bing Crosby and David Bowie were, but even as a kid, I was like, whoa, what is this video? This is amazing. And it was just the two of them, like, standing in a room and with the Christmas tree and singing and knowing now what, you know, you know about David Bowie and, and uh, Ziggy Stardust and, you know, all oh, that yeah. stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So... This, this was uh, kind of coming into an era when Bowie was kind of tamping down some of the gender-bending stuff. And that is... My one reservation about it, really, is that it is a big step in Bowie kind of straightening out his image going into the 80s, or in the early 80s. Um, but still, the, the combination of, of, of the two guys, and their rendition of the song is, is pretty good, too. Uh, Scott, what do you think about these songs? As glad as I am that we have this video of David Bowie and Bing Crosby singing together... Carol of the Bells is just a much better song to me, so I gotta go with Metallica Carol of the Bells in this one. Fair enough. Our next matchup features two movies. It is the number eight seed, Christmas Vacation, versus number 121, Ernest Saves Christmas. Um, 
I happen not to be a great fan of the Ernest series, <laughs> and I happen not to be a great fan of the Vacation series. <laughs> um, but one of them wow. is an Ernest movie, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure has its virtues if 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 you're into it. But um, Scott, have you seen these? What do you think? I am also not a devotee of either film series. You're, you're, you're not waiting for the reboot of the Ernest Cinematic Universe? Not with bated breath. Okay. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, yeah, not a not an Ernest Varney fan. Um, but no enough that is... Le- oh, it's Jim Varney is the actor. Um, yeah. I, Christmas he, Vacation is decent. basically Ernest, right? Yeah. I, Christmas Vacation is pretty decent. It's, it's not fantastic. It's not something I'm going to go back and watch every year. But... Um, I, this is dangerous. This is a pick that could go very far um, with our with our audience. True. Um, yes, yes. I, I know. I know it's very popular, even though I myself am not a devotee. Yeah, definitely. Uh, our next fe- uh, matchup features something you are a devotee of. Uh, something I think you'll be glad to see that I jammed into this thing. Uh, we have the number fifty-seven seed, our second Hanukkah representation, uh, latkes with applesauce. You got to use your Bubby's recipe. Mm-hmm. Versus number 72, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Scott, can, can sing I, the praises of Emmett Otter for us. First of all, you know me, I always focus on the negative. First of all, <laughs> how the hell do we have Christmas Vacation and Ernest Saved Christmas up against each other when I couldn't give less of a shit about either of them? And then you've got Lotka's up against Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. I blame you! This is your website and your tournament, and I blame you for everything. What are you doing? Now, I brought Glenn into the tur- the website, <laughs> so I guess you got to blame me. Are you trying to grandfather the blame onto yourself? Uh, yes. You always do this with your tournaments. You have 20 matchups in a row where I couldn't care less about either one, and then the two things in the entire tournament I actually care about, you put against each other in round one. So, that complaint aside. Anyway, so moving on to our next match. I, I want to hear more about Jug Band Christmas because I don't, I don't know anything about it. Oh, uh, yes, I am please, a, please, please tell us about Emmett Otter. I am a big fan of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It was a, uh, it's basically a Muppets production, Jim Henson Studios production. Oh yes, I know exactly. Um, it was on the Muppet Show, um, not the Christmas part, but I saw the um, the characters. Jug- yeah, yeah, I think they did do like a Jug Band, a, a skit of a Jug Band. Band. Yes, early on in the show. Yeah, I think it was the first season. Well, they did a show. I saw it on HBO. I don't know if it ran. I'm assuming it ran on network at some point. But I remember seeing it on HBO when I was a kid. About um, basically this this kid Emmett Otter, and he's part of a jug band, and he enters some sort of competition to win the prize money of the competition, so he can buy his mother a Christmas present or something like that. And it's a, it's a whole Jim Henson thing, but I, if I remember correctly, the only Muppet in it is Kermit in, like, a brief scene during the competition where, like, Kermit is hosting the competition or interviewing the competitive bands or something like that. So it, other other than that one brief thing, there is it's not, like, a it's not like full of Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and Ralph and everything. It's just Muppets in this thing uh, as the jug band players. But it's a whole movie like that and that's like I said that's basically the storyline and I am a big fan of it I haven't seen it in several years but I was a big fan of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas well for anyone who would like to see it um, 
I put together posts with uh, video examples for the things that I could find video examples of. And if I recall correctly, the video I found for Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas is the entire show. Well, I will definitely be wow. checking that out. So you can check the post for the Whoville region at placetobenation.com, scroll down past the polls to the videos for everything, and I, if I recall correctly, you can find the entirety of Emmett Otter's Chug Band Christmas. Uh, Steve. Uh, yes. Did Zoe Deschanel name her kid after Emmett Otter? Um, maybe that's what it was, and maybe all the controversy over naming it after an uh, on the animal is misplaced, and it's... I'm going to just have to assume that it is again. Uh, she named it after Jug Band Christmas, and and that would make her even more attractive. Exactly. Yes, I was going to say, if she actually named the child after Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, I remove all objection to the name Otter. Good job, Zoe. <laughs> yeah, to- totally. I mean, n- naming your kid after after an animal, I mean, that's one thing if you want to do, I mean, live your, live your best life. Uh, but naming your kid after a Muppet? Big ups. Yes. Big ups. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, uh, latkes as well. Does your bubby have a recipe? I feel that she made them um, quite a bit. I haven't gone to Hanukkah in a few years, so I um, we've tried making them at home ourselves at to you know utter failure. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan, but if you're going to have them, you have to have them with applesauce. Yes, definitely. I know sour cream is popular, but I am not a devotee of the sour cream. No, that's that's treasonous. No, with 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 the latkes, it's it's that you know fresh, crispy, salty taste with the sweetness of the applesauce. It's a classic combination. Uh, apples also featuring highly in many Jewish holidays. Between you know the applesauce uh, for Hanukkah and the uh, apples with honey at, at Rosh Hashanah and Itapuchin Bidavash. Yes. Our next matchup also features Hanukkah. Uh, with the number 25 seed, the Hanukkah Candles, which is really a way to get uh, the experience of getting to set things on fire for eight days yes. in, oh, yeah. in this tournament, versus uh, a a Friends episode, uh, the one with the Christmas in Tulsa. This is the 25 seed versus 104. Uh, this, this Friends episode, uh, are, are either of you familiar uh, with this, or... Should I just go into it? Because I watched it to study for this last week. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, this this is not the most famous Friends Christmas episode, I believe. We'll have that later. This is one that I found a little bit schmaltzy because I'm not really used to 90s sitcoms anymore. Uh, but Chandler has to go to Tulsa for work and everyone is sad and they're the other friends are at the apartment and they're opening their presents and whatever. And then Monica's worried that Chandler is boning his secretary or whatever. And then Chandler shows up because he got an emergency flight home and quit his job because it sucked. And he wanted to be home for Christmas and everyone is happy. Even the ugly naked guy across the way had someone with him for Christmas. And so everyone's heart is warmed. Uh, which, didn't make an impression on me because, because, like I said, I, I've watched so many like sitcoms of this millennium that I am really not used to '90s sitcoms anymore. It is a lot more straightforward. It has far fewer layers of irony, which, in a way, can be uh, cute. Isn't quite the word I want, but it it really didn't do it for me. 
Uh, Scott, talk about fire. I was just, I was just going to say, I remember that episode of Friends. As I remember, it wasn't bad, but it does not rank up with setting things on fire for eight days in a row. That was all. That was always once you aged. You know, once I got past the age of eight or nine, and I stopped getting presents every day. Really, the best part of Hanukkah, and for me personally, the best part of Judaism was setting things on fire eight days in a row. And not only do you get to set things on fire, but you set one thing on fire, and then you use that thing to set the other things on fire. Great fun. Yeah, and it, I mean, you, it's not something that you can that you're allowed to do as a kid. Like you are never, you can't light things on fire. You're you're told not to. And now, not only are you allowed to, it's encouraged. Yes, it's sacred. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's it's something all the kids can take part in. Uh, definitely a, a great experience setting things on fire. Uh, our next matchup is the number 40 seed, the uh, Sweaty Ball sketch from Saturday Night Live, versus number 89, a claymation Christmas celebration with the California Raisins. Uh, Steve, break it down for us. This is... Um, I'm going to have to come out and admit something. Uh-oh. That... Um, I owned a couple California raisins, as, as did my sister. I even had... I, I just want to make sure my wife cannot hear me right now. Um, I even had a Michael Jackson California raisin, which I believe might have made an, uh, an appearance in this special. Um, I'm really glad that you guys don't judge. No, we're not here to judge. That's, that's one of the slogans of the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular. I don't judge. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I had that. I feel like I have to. Uh, I'm going to probably vote for that. I'm not a big uh, SNL fan of this uh, era where this is this is this a Justin Timberlake thing or is uh, this is Alec Baldwin? Okay, not a big and, Alec and a Gasteyer and what's the name of the other woman in it? It was the sure. one. Was it Molly Shannon? Who was the other? Yeah, it was Molly Shannon. Yes. Uh, it's it's one one of the classic sketches that that most everyone knows from that from that late '90s era of SNL. Um, it's on all of the you know best of Alec Baldwin yeah. things. Um, California raisins, uh, schlock, classic schlock though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Scott, what do you think about these? I like the California raisins, but sweaty balls is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely fair. <laughs> That's my in-depth analysis. That's solid analysis right there. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we have the number nine seed, Die Hard and Die Hard 2, their Christmasness combined. Against number 120, uh, Saved by the Bell, Home for Christmas, uh, which I don't think I've seen. I might have seen it when I was seven. Uh, I believe that's the one where they get a homeless guy a house because it's Christmas. But it's up against Die Hard. It's up against yes. both Die Hards. Both Die Hards. How did these wind up on the same line item and not as individual entrants? It was part of the process of collapsing down to 128. Uh, from, from all of the suggestions and nominations that we had. But uh, Die Hard and Die Hard 2 are two of my very favorite Christmas movies. Undoubtedly. Uh, they're great movies that take place at Christmas, so that's just about it there. <laughs> but Christmas also... It's hard, yeah, the, the, it's, it's hard to, uh, to tie them to Christmas too much, 
You know, you don't well, think in the no, first I mean, thing you don't think about Die Hard is not. Oh yeah, that's a that great, wonderful, feel good Christmas movie. But I don't know. I, I I think about it like that sometimes. You know, there's uh, now I have a machine gun. Ho oh, ho ho. ho. <laughs> I there. You know, Christmas is the inciting incident for both movies because uh, uh, John McClane and his wife have to be together for Christmas. Uh, even when it's really hard, even when there are terrorists, even when David Atherton tries to come between them. Exactly. Uh, versus, and you know, an episode of Saved by the Bell, which I know has its fans. I'm not really among them. I am slightly too old to be in the Saved by the Bell demographic. I was never a fan of that series. Fair enough. I agree. I agree. Uh, v- versus, again, what I think are just two classic action movies and classic Christmas movies. Our next matchup. Number 56, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Frank Sinatra, versus the viral video. I don't know if everyone's seen it, but it's this video that went viral like years and years ago of this, of, of this kid freaking out about having a Nintendo 64 under the tree. He picks up the box and starts screaming, Nintendo 64! Steve, have you ever been that happy in your life? No. No, not at all. And um, that depresses me. But the Nintendo 64, pretty awesome. So I get it. I get it. But, you know, none of my my parents wouldn't have bought me that for for Christmas or, you know, Hanukkah, any of that kind of stuff. But, I mean, the kid's probably going to go play No Mercy. He's probably going to go import a Japanese wrestling game, play a Mario Kart yeah, play Mario Kart, play GoldenEye, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time not loving that kid and and, and wanting to be him. Exactly. It, it's it's an experience we'd all love, love to share. Uh, Scott, have you ever gotten a gift that's made you anywhere near that happy? The only time in my life I can think of where I might have ever been that happy was when your brother was born. Come on, no. say it. Say it. Yeah, Damn on. you, anyhow. Just say it anyway. It was on February 3rd, 2008. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> Steve, do you know what happened February 3rd, 2008? Okay. Um, now, we've gone from Connecticut politics, which is very much a, a local topic, to family history of your of the two brothers, but I'm going to think Smart that it podcast, has to do with a, with a giant Super Bowl victory. It does indeed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am in the loop. <laughs> Friend of the family, Steve. Friend of the family. I feel that like there's more to it than that, but we can just let it go. That is, we we could do we could do a whole section on another podcast about that. We could do a whole podcast about that. Night. We could do a whole. We could we could and we might note it down for future podcast topics. Yes, we should. We should. So moving on to our next matchup, number twenty four, Christmas and Hol- oh, we didn't even mention Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra's great. The song's great. Cool. Next matchup. Mm-hmm. There we mentioned him. Uh, Christmas and Hollis Queens. Run DMC versus Jingle. All the all-time holiday classic jingle all the The all-time holiday classic jingle all Steve, you have children. You have small children, if I recall. Mm-hmm. What is what is the hot gift that you need to get for them this year? What is the tickle me elbow 
Elbow? Tick, what yes. is the Tickle Me Elmo? That's popular in Ireland, right? Tickle Me Elbow. <laughs> yes. My, what is the Tickle Me Elmo of 2015, and would you beat up Sinbad to get it? Um, first of all, I could not beat up Sinbad because of the greatness that is Good Burger. Um, secondly, my four-year-old Nerf guns. Pretty much anything that is a Nerf gun, despite the fact that it's you know too old for him, he wants. Um, my oldest wants really weird stuff that no one could possibly ever find for him, like old Lego Legos that have been retired for years. Um, oh, there costumes. Is a, there's a thriving market in uh, oh. secondhand Legos. I'm sure you know. Yeah, it's sick. Um, but yeah, uh, the, yeah. There is a the big thing is Nerf guns or lightsabers that you get a base to, and then there's all these add-ons that you can add on to them to make them l- larger. Really, marketing genius. Because if you don't get the add-on parts, you're a horrible parent. Oh no. Yep. So yeah, we're trying not to get those kind of things. Well, I, I hope you manage to be a decent parent. <laughs> yes, I will try my best. <laughs> you were not in my house today. Oh no. Uh, I, I lend you whatever moral support I can from from all the way across this great nation of ours. Uh, meanwhile, the movie, the all-time holiday classic, Jingle All Zive. Uh, Scott, what do you think? I've never seen the all-time holiday classic, Jingle All Zive. Cool. It's Run DMC, though. I mean, nothing. Yeah, Run DMC. Exactly. It's Run DMC. A- this this is in an era when rap was like the image of rap was changing. If I recall, when this came out, it got, it got a little more friendly. And part of it is this kind of campy holiday rap. Am I correct about that, or am I completely off off the ledge? It's campy, but it's so good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't mean to impugn it at all. All right. Yeah. I don't remember the ecosystem of the rap scene that that well. I am not an expert. Only '90s kids will remember. Uh, our next matchup and the final matchup of the Whoville region, the number 41 seed Eggnog versus the number 88 seed Afternoon Delight from Arrested Development, uh, which it's a fine it's a fine enough episode and Arrested Development is an awesome series. I have a little bit of trouble with Christmas episodes in shows that take place in California. Mm. Uh, be, being a, uh, you know, Northeastern elitist. elitist Latte sipping, whatever. Um, well, that is California. Uh, being a northeastern elitist in my northeastern elitist enclave, uh, I, I have a real problem with with Christmas media that isn't suffused with snow. Aside, and of course, from Die Hard. Right. Uh, versus eggnog, which is the signature taste of of the holiday season for me. I always eagerly await its coming. Uh, around the time of Thanksgiving, I got my first nog of the season last week. Uh, it, it, it is it is fantastic, and I will get it until it isn't in the stores anymore, which will be tragically soon. Uh, Scott, what do you think of these? I think my opinion basically mirrors yours. Eggnog. I mean, it's eggnog. Exactly, Steve. Eggnog. You know what's wonderful? Let's go northeastern elitist right here, because you know what? I was sipping iced latte today, iced because. You know, my, I have to drop my, my buddies, Jason Greenhouse and Dan again. We are the, the, the iced coffee mafia. Um, the thing about eggnog is you can get it in, like, any kind of dietary needs now. You can get it 
uh, soy, you can get an almond, cashew, you can, I'm sure you can get it gluten-free like everything else, you know, you can get it flavored, any kind of your eggnog needs, they're right there for you. And, it, and it's, again, marketing genius, it's, it's capitalism at its finest, we need more of it. Arrested Development, again, a great show. But, yeah, I kind of agree with you. It needs, Christmas needs animation. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And uh, you know what? People make fun of all sorts of dietary needs. No matter what allergies or diseases in some instances or just preferences you have, you deserve the taste of Nog. Yeah. Yes. E- even if your illness or allergy is completely and utterly imagined, still, you still deserve it. I mean, again, I'm not here to judge. Everyone deserves Nog. Yeah. That will do it for the Whoville region, and we will barrel right on to the region whose winner will go up against the winner of the Whoville region. That is the East Street region, headed up by the number four seed, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, performed by Bruce Springsteen, versus the classic, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Scott, what do you think of these? I have great respect for Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. That is a classic Christmas song. But, I mean, Bruce Springsteen Santa Claus is coming to town. That's nothing, nothing's going to beat that. that. That seems apparent to me as well. Steve, what do you think? Um, that is my favorite Christmas song. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Is It is my favorite uh, Christmas song. I know that's weird. I'm not even like a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, I know there are people who are just more than diehard it's like a grateful dead type you know follow them around the country worship him um but it is just a fabulous song i think springsteen can be kind of hit and miss but when he hits he is great Uh, and this song is great yeah definitely uh our next matchup uh the number 61 seed uh benny hana christmas uh, from the office versus number 68 another classic christmas carol old tannenbaum uh, this episode of The Office, I don't believe, is one I've actually seen. Steve, are you a fan of The Office? I am a fan of The Office. Um, I, I didn't see the last couple seasons because it just kind of started falling apart for me. Um, I I just don't remember this episode. Um, I should go back and probably watch it. But I, I'm not a fan of O. Tannenbaum. Um, so it will be an easy, easy vote for me. Interesting. Uh, Scott, how about you? Um, I would go the exact opposite way. I've never seen The Office. I'm not familiar with the series, but O Tannenbaum is a fine song. Sure. Our next matchup, the number 29 seed, The Lonely Jew on Christmas, from the uh, first South Park Christmas episode, versus number 100 seed, The Trans-Siberian Orchestra in the abstract. Scott, you have a reaction. I must once again protest these two being set against each other. Why couldn't one of these be against that Office episode I've never seen? I must say, uh, this this tournament is indeed not tailored specifically for you, nor specifically for me. Well, if it's not tailored specifically for me, what the hell am I doing here? God damn it. Oh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra is great. There's nothing better than the Lonely Jew on Christmas. I understand how it's only number 29. It should be top 10. There is no song in the holiday canon that captures the experience 
of the American Jew during Christmas season than the lonely Jew on Christmas? I, 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 I know that I have at times been a lonely Jew on Christmas. I know you've been a lonely Jew on Christmas at times. Uh, Steve, what do you think of this? I've, I'm a busy Jew on Christmas, um, so it doesn't speak to me as much. Um, South Park is a show that I kind of had to go away from after um, I have a, had a woman in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, to- sometimes totally, these totally things true. happen. Like I figured, you know, I kept wrestling, I kept comic books. Some things I, I have to, I have to let go. Yeah, so, yeah, to- totally true. I, I fell away from from South Park as I, you know, like before I left college, which I think was probably the right time. Um. So, I mean, whatever the show's done in the last ten freaking years, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't really endorse nor a lot of what it did before. It's just this one song, I think, really captured a vibe very well uh, against the Trans Siberian Orchestra, which again does a lot of those like recontextualized versions of Christmas music that really hit a lot of buttons for me. So that's yes, I would probably be supporting Trans Siberian Orchestra if it wasn't up against something. Of the extremely high caliber as the one we do on Christmas. Uh, well, these are the hard decisions we have to make in life sometimes. Uh, I don't like hard decisions. Why couldn't one of these things be up against the Ernest movie? Put maybe, one of them up against the Ernest movie, the other one up against the Office episode I've never seen, and they could both skip to the next round. Maybe next year. Well, you know what? It hasn't been, lo- you know, depending on when this is launched, we can completely redo uh things and, and move them around as per our want yes why don't you do that you, rework your entire tournament to my whims i've reworked a few things to your whims before and and you know we're recording a podcast now it, it's set our next matchup the number 36 seed white christmas by ben crosby versus the number 93 please 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 come home for christmas by bon jovi uh this this is kind of a clash in styles <laughs> Uh, uh, with, with Bing again, who's who's just smooth as hell in in uh, a song that's become an absolute classic. Uh, Steve, talk to me. Um, screw Bon Jovi. I mean, seriously, like, what has he ever done for any of us? That's fair. Yeah, I mean, he was I, on terrible episode of Sex and the City. That's about it. That's all I know. That's all you know about Bon Jovi. No, I know I know a fair bit about Bon Jovi. Way a, too much that I want to know. I'm not I'm not a fan. He owned a terrible um, Arena League football team. Yeah, seriously. Oh God, like, did he? he? He he was part owner of the Philadelphia Soul. Oh, in Philly, no less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our next matchup, <laughs> number thirteen. Let's move on. We are the number thirteen seed. Happy Christmas, War is Over by John Lennon versus the Phenomenon. That is our number 116 seed, Ringers for the Salvation Army, which I understand, you know, raising for charity, and charity's great, but the Salvation Army hates me, so that puts a little bit of a damper on it. Uh, Scott, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I'm not as big a fan of the Salvation Army after reading their record in terms of trying to help gay people and trans people, and... And Happy Christmas, War is Over is, again, a good song. So I'll go with that one. Definitely. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, Man, this is... Yeah, Charity, good. Charity is wonderful. 
Um, I've been a Salvation Army ringer. I took kids there, you know, years ago to uh, for volunteering. I've sat out in very cold weather, feeling good about doing stuff for people, and then, um, yeah, their uh, their record, and hopefully they'll change, right? You know, oh, maybe sure. they'll be always the hope. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and there are surely you know charities that that do great good and don't sully it quite as much, right? So yeah, John. Then the John Lennon song is is another one of the the better, um, more modern era Christmas songs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. After the sort of uh, generation of classics that I mean, a lot of our Christmas experience is defined by the boomers, right? Like a lot of our culture, and so a mm-hmm. lot of the Christmas classics are songs that were around when they were born in the 40s and when they were growing up in the 50s and 60s and then stuff they listen to as adults. I was just going to comment that, you know, a 40-year-old song is referred to as a modern era oh, de- Christmas oh, yeah. song, whereas a 50 to 60-year-old song is a classic era Christmas yeah. song. Oh, yeah, ex- exactly. E- ex- exactly. Whereas anything newer than that is Josh Groban. Yeah. Uh, moving on, our next matchup features... A modern era Christmas song, <laughs> Blue Christmas by Elvis. Yeah, that's definitely modern era. Uh, versus the answer to every blank in Cards Against Humanity, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Well, uh, they stopped. They stopped making Christmas songs after Mariah Carey, didn't they? I mean, she was it. She she stopped Christmas music. Uh, Mar- Mariah Carey put out her Christmas song, and then everyone basically said, "Well, this is over. Might as well close up." Are there any dubstep Christmas carols? You know, I said a couple of years ago, I, I believe on the Tweety, that, you know, Christmas 2013, 14, whatever, must surely be the Christmas of the dubstep Christmas carol, but then I never heard any. But every new style gets applied somehow. Yeah. I, I just I just haven't heard of any uh, high-profile ones. Uh, Steve, how about you? For dubstep Christmas carols? Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I inflicted something on you. I think our topic have taken a strong left turn and we've left Steve behind. Elvis Presley, move on. Oh, no. Uh, uh, I don't mean to inflict even more on you, but the Star Wars Holiday Special, you know anything about it? Um, Just that people really hated it. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, but yes. There is a lot of hate towards it, like... The whole you ruined Star Wars type stuff that continues, uh, you know, to this day because 50 and 60 year olds don't realize that, you know, it's a movie for kids and teenagers and young adults and it's not geared towards them anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I go off on a tangent? No more than we did with dubstep. With Skrillex? <laughs> <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. Boom, 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 boom. Build your crescendo. This is the Glenn Butler Tangents Hour Spectacular. Oh, aren't they all? Our next matchup, moving on. Um, Oh, before we move on from the Star Wars Holiday Special, I just want to mention, um, it does have B. Arthur in it, so it can't be that bad, but it's up against, you know, the king. Jerry Lawler? Exactly. The Jerry Lawler Christmas album would have sold big in Memphis in the 70s. Uh, our next matchup, the number 20 seed, uh, Burl Ives' Christmas album, just his general Christmas output, versus uh, number 109, another classic Christmas carol, We Three Kings. Uh, Steve, get us back on topic. 
Um, if you have multiple, this goes back to uh, our Whoville region. If you have multiple songs from a classic artist, it defeats one song that, in my opinion, isn't the best. So, you know, Burl Ives has to go on. And I feel bad for him now that he was outed as a communist, even, you know, backed by uh, Appleton, Wisconsin's own Joe McCarthy, most likely. Oh, no. Yeah, See, that's where I live now. That's, that's the dark side of local politics, huh? Yes. I actually lived on McCarthy Road. They, they named it... Oh, my God. I don't anymore. Yeah. But, um. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, think it sh- I think it says something that we couldn't really find a definitive version of We Three Kings to put in here. Um, up against Burl Ives, who's just absolutely, absolutely classic. Uh, Scott, I assume you agree. Yes, Burl Ives, 100%. All, so many great songs. Definitely. Our next matchup. Number 45, Silent Night. Versus number 84, uh, The X-Files Christmas episode, How the Ghosts Stole Christmas. Uh, I could be the only one here who has seen this episode. Uh, Scott, I don't think you have, Steve? No. Uh, no, this this is uh, pretty good for a Christmas episode and pretty good for an X-Files episode. Uh, it features uh, Lily Tomlin and Ed Asner, uh, speaking of people who uh, people say have been outed as communists, uh, trying to get Mulder and Scully to kill each other and themselves. So it is a rollicking good time, obviously. I was not a fan of this episode. Really? This was just after the point where I sort of stopped being a fan of the series in general. This was, this was sort of the season where it just sort of took a nosedive for me. I, 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 think, I think this was still a highlight. I mean, not just because I like Lily Tomlin so much, but there that is. Uh, Silent Night... Always a classic. Something else we didn't have a real definitive version of. Uh, Steve, what do you think of that? I don't know. Um, see, uh, hmm. see the, the, the whole X Files thing. I'm not. I am not aware of. Sure. I just had a. I had a seizure right there. That's pretty nice. Oh no. Not a fan of Silent Night either. Are, are we still on Silent Night and X Files? I got distracted here. Uh, we can move along quickly if you, if you want yes. to. Yes, I All had right. a tangent in my brain. Cool. <laughs> Our next matchup, <laughs> number five, <laughs> number five seed, It's a Wonderful Life versus number one hundred and twenty-four, Mistress for Christmas by ACDC. Which again, I looked up when someone nominated it for this. I was not a fan. Versus, It's a Wonderful Life, which is obviously a classic. I mean, it's played everywhere. And for all time, on, on Christmas, maybe. Uh, Steve, what do you think of It's a Wonderful Life? And do you know anything about this ACDC song? Um, Schoolgirl Skirts, Angus Young, um, Beret, uh, singing Christmas songs. And an iconic movie that has standed the test of time and is on every single channel. And there have been years that um, it's been played every night on some channels, so it, it's uh, it's going to go a, a long way. Um, it might even make that out of this region. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, Scott, do you often have a manic episode and wish the movie house and the savings and loan a Merry Christmas? Very rarely. I don't think any of us can say that's never happened to us, but I, I, I try to keep it to a minimum. E- exactly. We don't want to worry people too much. No. Our next matchup... 
features the other episode of The Office in this, uh, Dwight Christmas, versus the movie Gremlins. This is number 60 versus number 69. Uh, this Office episode I have seen a little bit of, because, like I said, I was trying to look up videos for all these things, and the part that I looked up with uh, Dwight dressing up as the Belschnickel, uh, as, as the uh, Santa alternative to give presents to everyone or decide whether they got presents or beatings, uh, was genuinely funny and had me thinking maybe I should watch The Office someday. Uh, Steve, what do you think of uh, this pairing? Um, this is a tough one. Gremlins is another movie that, while it took place in winter, I don't necessarily associate with Christmas like Die Hard. Um, but Die Hard is, is so much better. Um, and The Office, this episode, and interesting how they both ended up in the same bracket. Right. Um, it's going to be a close one. I, I think that Office will do better in terms of that it, it is Christmas-centered, um, and it is the better of the two Office specials. Uh, Scott, what do you think of... I know you haven't seen The Office. What do you think of Gremlins? It's been a long time since I've seen Gremlins. On the other hand, I don't think I've ever seen The Office. So, sort of process of elimination for me on this one. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, it's been a very long time since I've seen Gremlins 2. Long enough... Well, or Gremlins 1. Uh, <laughs> lo- long, enough, long enough that I even forgot it was a Christmas movie. Because I, I only remembered little bits from seeing it when I was a kid. Our next matchup... Spike terrifying, by the way. Oh, yes. Our next matchup, number 28, Chinese food in a movie, the traditional Christmas celebration of the Jewish people, versus number 101, the film Bad Santa. Uh, Scott, talk about our people's celebration of the Goyesha holidays. The method of our people, the approach that we take to the Goyesha holiday, is to take advantage of the absence of all the Goyim. Yes. We, we, we... That's the non-Jews for the <laughs> non-Jews playing at home. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the Jewish version of muggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a very good definition. Yes. We congregate with our fellow uh, non-celebrants. Yes, precisely. By going to the Chinese restaurant rather than the Italian restaurant. Right, the Italians much more likely to be closed for Christmas. Yes. Right. And then we go to... Businesses which force their workers to show up and operate them, whether they themselves are celebrating or not, such as the movie house that we had previously wished a Merry Christmas to. Yes, exactly. Uh, Steve, having having a mixed family, is this something that you still get to do? No, unfortunately not. Um, but it's something I've always wanted to do. I'm a big-time movie person. I, I think it would be fun. Sometimes I pass the movie theater on you know the way home, uh, traveling and i and there's more than jewish people there because we don't have many jewish people in our town and it's kind of crowded so it's it's something i feel a little a little jealousy of and who doesn't like chinese food really we should just all we should just do a carry out christmas but and bad santa uh, sneaky good kind of a raunchy movie if you uh, are into gilmore girls you you you'll want to see it as well um kind of just a a fun I mean, maybe it's just because of the age I was when it came out. It, it, uh, you know, when you, I was in my twenties, it comes out, and it's like, you know, kind of like a, a South Park type uh, movie. Maybe if I saw it again, I would not be as as pleased by it. All not right. one for the children. 
Ah, true. Yes, uh, definite disclaimer there. Uh, our next matchup, the number 37 seed, uh, Mary, Joseph, and Larry from Curb Your Enthusiasm versus number 92, Maul Santas. Now, I don't know that I ever went to a Mall Santa proper, but I did go to Shopping Center Santas. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't know if there's a real difference, but... Where was the shopping center Santa? Like, out in the parking lot? It wasn't in the park... Okay. I don't, that I wasn't don't, a Santa. I don't want to get hyper, hyper local. But a few miles away from our house, there is a shopping center with a fountain, and Santa was outside in front of the fountain, with the line going around. Anyway... I don't, reckon, I don't, I don't remember where there's a fountain around here. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> uh, Steve, uh, do you bring your kids to mall Santas? Are they as horrible as they're depicted in the movies? Uh, what do you think of this Curb episode? Are you a Curb fan? I know a ton of people on the place to be are. Um, I watched. Um, I watched this episode. I think with an open mind. It just wasn't my thing. Steve, what do you think? Um, this was a pretty funny one at the, uh, the ending scene. Uh, Larry kind of taking everyone off. Um, I do not. I brought my child to a mall Santa once. It was awful and terrible. Um, they don't like getting their picture taken. It's utter torture for them. Um, I, we have seen Santas in other places, and uh, my oldest is too smart to. Uh, yeah, he, he's. It's already gone in his mind. Like I, I think he realizes that oh, he, he would be a uh, definite beard tugger. Yes. Ah, troublemaker. Indeed. Our next matchup, number 12 seed, uh, the 1984 Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott versus number 117, the experience of going caroling throughout the land. Um, I admittedly do not remember this version of A Christmas Carol specifically, although George C. Scott is a fine enough actor. It's not one of my favorite adaptations. I've gone caroling maybe twice. Uh, and the main memory that I have is of going around with my friends and and deciding that the next house we went to, we would sing the entire 12 Days of Christmas. And the house that we happened to go to, this man answered who I knew from my synagogue. <laughs> and then we launched into the 12 Days of Christmas. And he was still suitably excited and everything. He wasn't angry, like, why are you singing this Goyasha song at me? Uh, no, he, he started, you know, calling to, to his wife and kid and everything, like, come on, come quick, they're on the fourth day. Uh, but that that is my experience caroling. Oh, and I did, uh, when we were going down one of the main streets in my town, we got to the rabbi's house, uh, which, of course, I knew because it was right next to the shul, and I told everyone, this is the rabbi's house, pull out dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. <laughs> and, and so we did carol the rabbi's house. Good job. Um, Steve, what do you yes. think of these? Um, I am not a carol. I, I, you know, I remember when you did this, I think. It was uh, within, the last, within the last 10 years? Uh, 10 years, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I remember you doing this. Um, I am not. I've never gone caroling. And um, while I love people coming to my door for Halloween... For Christmas, I, I don't want to hear cheery old adults sing. Like, if it were just kids, I think I would deal with it fine. But I, I don't want to see people singing to me whom I don't know. 
and my cat would probably escape, and then there will be all sorts of sadness. Oh, so, yes, yes. That, that was greatly to be avoided. Yeah. So, I don't remember this version of The Christmas Carol as much, but I'm, I'm sure it's better than random old people coming to my house caroling. That's right. Bah humbug. See, get it? Because of Christmas Carol? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Uh, Scott, you got anything on this? Not really. I have never been caroling, and I don't really have any strong memories of this particular version of A Christmas Carol. I don't know anybody named Carol. Carol Kane? <laughs> Our next matchup, moving on. Is Carol Kane versus... Is Carol Kane versus the experience of George C. Scott. Uh, number 53, Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics versus number 76, our other Friends episode, uh, and the better one, I thought, the one with the holiday armadillo, in which in which Ross f- fails to get a Santa costume when he has his, his son for the day, and winds up with an armadillo costume, and desperately, desperately tries to tell his kid the story of Hanukkah, when he is not at all interested in it, because... He is in a, a again a mixed family, uh, versus the collection of South Park Christmas songs, which I might not hold truck with as much if I went back to again now that I'm, you know, kind of an adult. But in my memory, seems really fun. Uh, Steve, uh, again, as someone with with children in a mixed family, have you been desperately trying to tell your kids the story of the Maccabees? Um, they're interested. I, I, I took them to my grandmother's 90th birthday celebration at their synagogue, and my oldest was ready to, um, we go to a UU, a Unitarian Universalist uh, church, and he was he's ready to, uh, to go all Jew. And um, I, I think it's just because they had a really nice spread afterwards of uh, food and, and desserts and, and the finest of juices. So he, he, he is going in all Jew, and I, I just, I am willing to teach him the Hanukkah story, but I, I don't know if he realized what he's getting himself into. Ah, uh, well, one, one must be inaugurated. Yeah, I mean, he, he's already had Hanukkah presents this year, so he's pretty psyched about the fact that it's, or, that it's happening very soon. Very nice. Uh, Scott, talk to us about Mr. Hanky a little bit. I'm a big fan of the Mr. Hanky's Christmas Classics. I quite enjoyed many of them. I I I think it's a very good album. Okay. <laughs> would, you like in, would you like in-depth analysis of the album? Like uh, American Bandstand Dick Clark style. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we can do that on a future episode too. Uh, we we are rolling toward the end of this region. Our next matchup, number 21, uh The Strike from Seinfeld and the general phenomenon of Festivus versus number 108, Just Friends, which I found out when it was nominated is a movie. Mm. Uh, but Seinfeld, again, something that's very popular in our audience, very popular on our website. We have a uh, weekly feature uh, with, with people on our site going through every Ding Dang episode, and they have been rolling on that for a long time, very successfully. Um... Scott, I don't think we're going to have an airing of grievances right now, because that could be a whole other episode as well. I generally do that whenever I feel like it. Although, if we do ever do it, we should have Steve on the line. Just to, no. just, just wow. to help, help us out. I help feel us like I've been airing grievances throughout this tournament. Uh, yeah, true. Um, 
Steve, uh, have yes. you seen this movie? What do you think of Festivus? I have not seen this movie, nor do I want to. I feel that Justin will be very mad if he does listen to this, that we are not talking about it. But, it I mean, he's a Seinfeld guy anyway, so how can it possibly... Uh, yeah, when when Justin saw this, I'm sure he had one of your reactions, Scott. Like, you know, why are these things up against each other? Can I can I you know use my uh, use some stroke to kind of change this? Uh, but we haven't, and it is set. Uh, our next matchup, the final one in the East Street region, be number 44, Deck the Halls, versus number 85, the Ludicrousness Celebration on 30 Rock. Uh, Steve, are you a 30 Rock guy? I am not a 30 Rock guy. Not that I have anything against it. I have just never seen it. It's just one of the shows we never picked up. And then by the time we knew how great it was or were told how great it was, we were so far behind it became too intimidating, so we ran away. Fight or flight. Ah, true, true. Uh, 30 Rock is, is a show that I picked up, I think, in 2013 in part of my campaign to watch one highly rated sitcom every year. So I kind of binged on that in 2013, and then 2014 was Parks and Rec, which is incredible. Uh, 2015, I don't remember. I think I watched some more uh, Netflix shows. I think Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt came out this year. But uh, the Ludacrismas episode, I think, shows the general moral standing of 30 Rock and the sort of cynicism that it tries to treat in a heartwarming way when... Like, the Christmas joy that brings uh, Alec Baldwin's character and his ratty, horrible human being of a mother together is sowing discord in Liz Lemon's perfect family. It, it, it's, it's, kind, it's kind of a um, capsule summary of how the show works in that way. Uh, and it's funny. Uh, versus Deck the Halls, which is another... Absolute classic. Uh, Scott, you got anything on that? I've seen some of 30 Rock, but I don't remember this episode in particular. And Deck the Halls is a fine song. It, it, it is rife for parody. You, you, can, you can insert almost any lyrics into that tune and, and create a wonderfully fine Christmassy parody song. So, <laughs> Exactly. So... That will do it for us for the first two regions. We will take a long-awaited, no doubt, ad break uh, to pay the bills with the Place to Be Nation and the PWOP TBN Network. We will be back in just a few minutes, listeners, with the last two regions in this tournament. Anyone want to hit a quip to go into the ads? Quip. No, I don't, actually. Oh, here, this here. is a serious tournament. Hold on, I'll hit a quip here. Hold on, hold on. Where's the quip? Got it. See you soon. Promotional consideration paid for by the following... What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on The Place to Be Nation. PlacetoBeNation.com. The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. 
Place Me Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to the Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes at placetobenation.com. You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on The Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, home of great interviews and our famous vintage vault pay-per-view reviews. If you need your fix of current wrestling talk, we have plenty of options for you, including Main Event, which features a roundtable discussion led by PTBN analysts and special guests, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows, including immediate feedback and discussion for WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, and New Japan Super Shows. Also, be sure to read Live Wrestling's past with Graham Cawthon's excellent exclusive History of Wrestling podcast, Phil Schneider's Digging in the Crates, and our monthly pay-per-view rewind roundtable series led by Ben Morse, and join Pro Wrestling Only's Will and I on the Dangerous Alliance podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. Sports fans have plenty to enjoy as well. We featured the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Dr. G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Sr., the Kings of Sport, led by Live Audio Wrestling's godfather, Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast, which takes a year-round deep dive into pro hoops, and the TJ McLoon Show, featuring great guests from around the world of sports journalism. PTBN also proudly features the Richard Mailman Podcast, specializing in the world of TV, thought, leadership, anger, and irreverence. As mentioned, all these shows available on PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. PTBN also is a home to tremendous in-depth features on pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, Scott Keats, RSPWFAQ.com blog, and Piledriver.net. Do you watch pro wrestling? Do you love pro wrestling? We do too. And there's only one podcast feed that you can't miss. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. That's the pro wrestling only place to be nation podcast network. We have a host of brilliant shows dedicated to wrestling past and present. Whether it's the territories, Japan, Lucha, old school or new school, we've got something for you. Get a dose of history on Exile on Bad Street with Chris Zelna. Listen to reviews of current pay-per-views on the PTBN reaction shows. Not just WWE, but New Japan, Ring of Honor, and NXT. And get your weekly update on everything else that's going on in the indies, Lucha, and beyond on This Week in Wrestling. Relive WCW Supercards on Where the Big Boys Play with Parv and Chad. Join Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave on one of the very best shows for super hardcore nerds wrestling culture. Go deep into WWF history and discover the Bob Backlund and Bruno Sammartino eras on Titans of Wrestling. Don't miss the Pro Wrestling Super Show with Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston. You can get the full archive of Goodwill Wrestling with good old Will from Texas. There's tag teams back again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze. Then there's the only pro wrestling game show, Brain Buster, with me, Johnny Sorrow, and a panel of great guests every time. Get them all on one feed. P-W-O-P-T-B-N. Podcast Network. You know you want to hear it. everyone to our look at the Place to be Nation Holiday Tournament Spectacular. You are listening to the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular. I am here with Steve and Scott, and it is time to plug our stuff. Uh, Steve, what stuff do you have to plug? 
Um, actually, literally as we were taping this, I had an article go up on, um, it was like a review of the Ring of Honor show that I attended, uh, in Milwaukee a week ago. Um, also, I'm the host of the Rewatch Party, where we generally rewatch old episodes of Raw, but recently we rewatched a couple uh, famous or infamous Survivor Series bouts, and I, I can even announce my new project that Glenn, you will be a part of. Oh, please. It's, uh, this is this is big because this has not been formally announced anywhere. Um, it is the new podcast called Mission Indie Possible, and I thank Jordan for that name, Jordan Duncan. Um, we'll be taking a look, um, something that's more in my realm of wrestling fandom. I'm, I'm not the biggest WWE fan anymore. I haven't been for the last few years. Um, really what got me back into it was um, CM Punk, John Cena, and then working with Place to Be Nation. Um, but I really like... Uh, just random indie wrestling, some of the the more well-known ones. So we're going to take a look back at some just random shows from the past. Some are famous, some are not so famous, and just watch them, go through them of all different varieties. Uh, we'll do some Chikara, some old, old ROH, some PWG, and, and maybe just random stuff. I know Chad's gonna, Chad Campbell's going to help out with some uh, possible things to look at as well. Um, just more up my wrestling alley. I like watching random stuff. Yeah, that is going to be a great project, and I was very glad to be brought in on it. Uh, Scott, is there anything that you're doing, or or are you just ghosting still? I literally the only thing I could possibly mention was the previous episode of your podcast that I was on. Uh, yes, that was, of course, episode one of the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, where Scott and I took a four-hour deep dive into the Hunger Games movie and book series, uh, with with an hour just about on each of the movies. We <laughs> we went in deep. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I, meanwhile, have been doing the live watch party that Steve mentioned. Lots of fun. I recently did an episode of the Super Extreme Vault looking at Japanese death matches. That was a, a fun watch. Uh, and we have in the notes for that episode, we have all, a complete set of all the matches we watched for that. That was very nice. Uh, we're hoping to do another Super Extreme Vault soon. Uh, we're doing that uh, Indie Possible podcast, of course. And I am also the Wednesday Walker at PlaceToBeNation.com. That is a the Wednesday Walk Around the Web, a weekly look at uh, links from around this wide, wonderful internet of ours, things that I find entertaining or interesting or funny or important in some way. Uh, with that, I would like to also mention uh, PlaceToBeNation.com in general is your one-stop shop for wrestling, sports, and popular culture. And as we head into the holiday season, I feel it's especially important to mention the Amazon box on the sidebar of our site for doing your holiday shopping or your general shopping. Just go to our site, click on the Amazon box, that is, buy whatever you're going to buy. It won't add anything to your price, and it'll shunt a couple of cents over to us, so we can keep this, we can just keep this barrel rolling. Keep pace for bandwidth. We're not. No one's making money off of this. We, oh, we do oh. this because we love each other. No, no one's. No one's getting rich off this. At, at least ever since Brad bought his speedboat, no one is getting right. rich further 
off, off of this. We're paying, we're paying for bandwidth to keep the site up. We're paying for bandwidth for all these wonderful podcasts that everyone is making. Uh, we're, we are just keeping this barrel going. And with that, we will keep this podcast barrel rolling into the Peanuts region of the Holiday Tournament Spectacular. The first matchup has the number two seed, Charlie Brown Christmas, versus number 127, Santa's Sleigh, a parodic uh, horror comedy starring Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus. I had no idea what that was. Really? That's a real thing. That is oh, a yes. real thing. This is a movie that I have seen. And Scott, I don't know if, if you were there. I don't know if we watched this together. I know I watched it with a couple of friends of mine. Oh, we did not. Uh, you fled from the scene. Am I remembering correctly from the earlier region that the Goldberg Christmas movie has ranked one spot ahead of the Hulk Hogan Christmas movie? Yes, indeed. Well, Goldberg did beat Hulk Hogan at the uh, Atlanta Dome. Correct, or the Georgia Dome, what, what, whatever you would like to call it. Exactly. Um, I don't remember all of the of the plot points of that movie. I remember the opening scene. <laughs> or, or plot point. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the opening scene wherein Bill Goldberg uh, falls down someone's chimney to murder the hot movie couple of Chris Kattan and Fran Drescher. So, Fran Drescher. Oh. Yes, and Chris Kattan, wow. Yes, like literally like the opening scene of the movie is this pleasant holiday dinner where Chris Kattan is shoving his hand up Fran Drescher's skirt <laughs> before Bill Goldberg murders them in a Santa suit. So that's generally how that movie goes. <laughs> Against a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is another uh, widely acknowledged classic. Uh, Steve, what do, what do you think of the uh, Charlie Brown special? Um... I am wondering if this might be the first ever shutout. Do you think it's a possibility? I like in any of our tournaments, I don't think there's ever been close to a shutout, but this could be it. I mean, who's going to be the sick, awful bastard that that picks Santa's sleigh over a Charlie Brown Christmas? Uh, I'm sure we'll have someone. Do we have? Like a listing of who votes for what on the site? Is there like you know like do we make you know like web addresses or like yeah? Can we like figure out who votes for what and then can I I don't know? Can we put them on some sort of list? Can we send Bill Goldberg in a Santa suit to their house? Yeah. <laughs> no, ha- but we can send Fran Drescher. <laughs> I wouldn't mind Fran Drescher at my house. Sure. Send her over to my way. Okay. Talk about a split family. (laughs) Scott, do you have anything else on this? What could I possibly add? Exactly. Although I will point out that if the regions go up in the order in which we've discussed them, this might not be the first shutout, because two days earlier, there'll be How the Grinch Stole Christmas versus the Hulk Hogan Christmas movie, and that could be the first shutout. Well, in terms of chronological order, the entire tournament is going up at the same time. Really? Yes. Throw it all up there. As as the clock turns to midnight, as Thanksgiving becomes Black Friday and the holiday season is officially upon us, all four regions, this the entire first round of the tournament is available to vote on placebenation.com. Our next matchup. 
features the number 63 seed, the Santa Claus, versus number 66, Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Uh, Steve, I believe you're a fan of this song, right? I love this song. It's quirky. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's probably my second favorite one. I was uh, Christmas Carol next to uh, the Springsteen song that we talked about on the first half of the podcast. I was a little disappointed that this got so low, um, you know, in the essentially making into the second half, you know, close to the middle. Um, if you don't vert, vote for this, um, I, I think you're a garbage person, quite frankly. Oh, no, high stakes in the tournament now. Yep, I will judge you as a garbage person. Uh, Steve will judge you as a garbage person based on this vote, based on the last vote. You might have the terrifying visage of a celebrity coming to your house. We don't know which one. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were going to be not judgmental, but I feel like after the break, I've I've become very much judgmental. God, was it something we drank? Um, I don't think so. You know, because I said I finally got some eggnog, but I finished it yesterday, and and man, I I'm feeling the shakes. You <laughs> <laughs> have nog withdrawal. I have nog withdrawal. I need more nog. I mean, the best I can do is watch Star Trek DS Nine to get my nog fixed before I can get out to the store. <laughs> It's hard to say which is my favorite nog. Ooh, that's another mm. podcast. Note it down. Do you think this went down the waitress's Christmas wrapping song because people don't know what it is, and the, the band name's not, uh, you know, it's not a famous band or anything like that. Uh, I will admit it's another song that I only recognized when I looked up the video on YouTube and started playing it. I did instantly recognize it when it started, but just from the name, I really didn't. I mean, if you don't know the song, go to the mall on Black Friday. Go into a an Old Navy, a, a limited, perhaps an Express, and I'm sure that they will play it several times. Absolutely, absolutely. And the Santa Claus uh, as a movie is also a little bit quirky, a little bit fun. Um, but I think that's about all you can you can say for it. I'm not a huge fan, but it's it's fine. It's a perfectly fine Christmas movie. It's a Tim Allen movie, right? Yes. Yeah, if, if it beats Waitress's Christmas wrapping, I'm deleting the tournament. Oh no. Yep. So think about that. Well, our next <laughs> our next high stakes matchup <laughs> features number. So first matchup in Peanuts, uh, Fran Drescher is coming to your house. Second one, if you don't vote the right way, tournament deleted. Just so you all know the stakes we're working on here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see what the penalties will be in the next matchup. <laughs> the stakes <laughs> getting higher in the third seed, the third round. <laughs> it's the number 31 seed, uh, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, uh, versus number 98, Kiss Saves Santa, a uh, repeated cutaway gag from an episode of Family Guy. Uh, this this Simpsons episode is actually the first one broadcast uh, when they get Santa's little helper because obviously the thing that you do on Christmas is you get a crappy job as a mall Santa and then bring your kid to the racetrack. Always. Uh, and this this Family Guy gag I thought was pretty good as far as Family Guy gags go. The essential uh, idea of a Christmas special on TV like the Bing Crosby specials of old, except it's a dramatic action story about Kiss saving Santa. It's it's a perfectly it's a perfectly fine concept. Uh, some, uh, Steve, do you have uh, anything on either of these? Um, not on Family Guy, but uh, you know, with The Simpsons being you know the first episode, you know, like non Tracy Ullman episode, um, right? 
it feels like a vote has to to go its way. Um, but I could see this one being pretty close. It's not one that they often show anymore. The the first episode because the the animation's so much better. Yeah. Uh, even even a couple of years later, it's so much better. Right, the character models were a little different in in the early days, things like that. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, we have number thirty four, the Nightmare Before Christmas, versus number ninety five, Carrie Von Erich versus Ric Flair for the NWA World Title from WCCW Christmas nineteen eighty two two yeah two. Uh, just recently, we had an article published uh, as part of our excellent WWE Network adventure. Uh, the members of our staff who are looking at every ding-dang show from the network in chronological order are deep into the running order of WCCW, as it happens. And they just uh, ran through the episode that consists entirely of this match uh, this past week. So definitely look for that. That is a good read, and they really break it down. Uh, Steve, I believe you've seen this match a couple of times, and you're a fan of it as well. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's it's mostly known for the angle where Michael Hayes turns on, well, pretty much everybody, um, and st- starts the uh, heel version of the Freebirds. And it's also known for the fact that he is refereeing the match in nothing but a pair of acid wash jeans. Uh, and I believe cowboy boots. So his uh, sneakers, actually. Oh, sneakers. Okay, yeah. So just shirtless, hairy chest sticking out, and bleached blonde hair. It's quite a look. Yeah. And Nightmare Before Christmas. You know the Tim Burton animated um, movie, which has just a group of really hardcore fans that love that movie. Definitely. Um, yeah. Toys continue to come out to this day from that movie. Yeah, it, it is definitely a cult classic. Um, Scott, do you have anything on either of these? I have never seen this movie, and I've never seen this match, so no, I have nothing. Cool. Uh, Riveting. S- Steve, what's his punishment? <laughs> um, no, I'm okay with that. Um, th- this is fun. This, is a, this was a matchup that can go either way. I'm actually intrigued by how our readers will vote on this one. Because obviously we tend to skew wrestling content. Yes. Um, but with the cult classic um, flavor of Nightmare Before Christmas, it being a Tim Burton movie, I have no idea which way uh, this one will go. For sure, for sure. Our next matchup features the number 15 seed, the Rankin Bass version of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, versus number 114, Harold and Kumar's 3D Christmas, which. This might also be a shutout, I'm not sure. Uh, Scott, I know you are a particular fan of this uh, Rankin-Bass Rudolph, uh, starring Thrill Ravenscroft, right? Close. Is this Burl Ives? It is Burl Ives. <laughs> ah! I, my initial reaction is, how did this get ranked as low as number 15? This is an all-time holiday classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for sure. Although there were, you know, when we were determining seating, there, there, you know, there were a couple of people who weren't quite so high on it. But if you don't vote for Rudolph in this matchup, I'm sending Chris Kattan to your house because Fran Drescher is already busy. So, oh Chris- yeah, that's far work. Chris Kattan is going to your house if you vote for Harold and Kumar. Nothing against Harold and Kumar; it's a fine film series. But come on, it's Rudolph. Oh Did my. Any- Oh my god, like, if I vote for Harold and Kumar, am I going to wake up one day and Chris Kattan is just, like, sitting 
on a chair in front of my bed, shirtless, kind of staring at me, and then munching an apple. If you don't vote for Rudolph in this matchup, Chris Kattan is going to come to your house and make you watch Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas (laughs) while he is baked out of his gourd and you can't have any. And you have to take care of him throughout the movie. Oh, clear God. choices. Uh, clear choices coming out in, in the Phoenix oh, region. Real consequences here on the podcast. <laughs> We've already been through the ad break. We're not holding anything back anymore. Oh, please, let's move on to the next matchup. And by God, Chris Gatton is available. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh you can get him for a song. <laughs> Our next matchup, please God, features the number 50 seed, uh, live wrestling on Christmas Day, which I believe was mostly in the territories, in the territory (laughs) days, versus number 79, Do They Know It's Christmas by the classic group Band-Aid. When I was looking for for clips to put on the page here, the one that I found for territory wrestling at Christmas was an old clip from Portland, where... They had a Santa in the crowd handing out candy to kids throughout the entire show until (gasps) Billy Jack Haynes came out for his match, at which point Santa, who had been there for the whole show, pulls out a tire iron and starts beating the crap out of Billy Jack Haynes, bloodies him up, just destroys him as Santa in front of all the kids on Christmas. And that that, that Who was it? Who who was dressed up as... Santa. I've seen Michael Hayes do that, too. Oh, goodness. I would have to look it up, which I failed to do. That's okay. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes doesn't remember either. <laughs> sure, because he got concussions that day. <laughs> uh, but I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of the song, Do They Know It's Christmas? So, yeah, given either. the choice, I am totally voting for Tire Iron Santa Heel Turn. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm sure there are lots of stories from old territories that pulled crazy stuff. You know, some from Portland, Memphis, my God. I don't know what the <laughs> hell went on in Memphis. You know, let's get Will on here. Uh, I, I'm sure in, in Texas and in the Carolinas everywhere that they had some stuff going down. But that is the one that I found, and that was the one that I watched. And that's the one that's in the post, again, at placefeenation.com. If you scroll down to the videos... Uh, just people just dismayed that that Santa has done this to the to the virtuous Billy Jack Haynes. Versus, do they know it's Christmas? Steve, what do you think of this? Um, this could be a double, maybe a double count out for this. Uh, this one, I, I'm more familiar with live wrestling on Thanksgiving than live wrestling on Christmas. Um, and and Band-Aid. Uh, um, yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Yeah, this is not a good. This is not a good match. Do, do they know it's Christmas? I haven't looked at the lyrics in a while, but this song is vaguely racist, right? Yeah, um, I'm not sure it's so vaguely. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's all all about you know people who aren't Christian <laughs> about evangelizing, or it's, am I misremembering? If I remember correctly, it is about it is primarily about the tragedy of there being cultures around the world that aren't Christian. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Moving on, uh, number 18, uh, Candy Cane Lane, the neighborhood-wide decorations, entire streets lined up, versus number 111, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, the movie from the year 2000. 
Uh, Steve, I believe KDK Lane was another of your nominations, so why don't you uh, break it down for us? Yeah, this is a schmaltzy one, but um, there's a couple of... I, I'm sure that this is in a lot of different areas, but I knew where I grew up there was one, or where my wife grew up was one. Like, these neighborhoods that completely every house gets together and just completely deck their houses out in Christmas um, lights and just tons of stuff and it's just kind of a fun thing to do around Christmas go out with a night drive you can usually either walk but a lot of times you just stay in your car and drive through it um, and it's it's just kind of fun a little schmaltzy but fun sometimes they uh, put radio broadcasts uh, like on an AM station or a, like a low band FM station and you can listen to Christmas music as you're driving by oh I, I love the ones that have you know light shows synchronized to music and then mm-hmm. they broadcast like a narrow band station just for the house. That that sort that sort of stuff. I I love just seeing the videos of that. Uh, versus the live action, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which I haven't seen the whole movie, but the extent to which I've seen it was a scene giving the Grinch a personal backstory to explain why he hates Christmas which encapsulates something that I really, really hate in movies, which is having to over-explain everything. I don't need to know why the Grinch hates Christmas. I don't care why the Grinch hates Christmas. That just seems entirely pointless. Did he not get a Red Ryder BB gun or something? Like Everyone made fun of him in school when he was a kid, but there was a girl he liked, and then he tried to give the girl a Christmas gift, and everyone laughed at him. It's it's just facile. It's... Uh, everyone laughs at everybody in school. It's school. Yeah, that, that, that sort of thing. I, I entirely do not, do not hold truck with that oh. trend at all. We should... I, I am. I, I have just made the mistake of looking up. Do they know it's Christmas? And oh no! Actually, it's not good. We might not want to talk about it too much. Okay. Well. Okay. We're moving on. Yeah. Uh, we're moving on to something else a little problematic. Uh, the number forty-seven seed, the first Noel by Nat King Cole, classic, versus number eighty-two, the date rape song, "Baby It's Cold Outside." <laughs> Scott, sock it to me. You know my appreciation for radical recontextualization. Please recontextualize radically. And also my off tendency to take an angle on things that nobody else has. Mm -hmm. And so I am a big fan of the people who argue that Baby It's Cold Outside is actually an example of a a woman seeking to act on her own desires, but chafing against the social structures of the time. And so she cannot simply act as she wishes to. She she needs her paramour to cajole her into finally acting as she wishes to, so that when society tries to condemn her for having acted as she wished to, she can say, Oh, it wasn't my fault that... That 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 evil man what broke down my morals. Yes, yes. Uh, That's much less problematic to me. That that that'll do it for me. Um, at least it's song sung from both of their perspectives. 
You know, it's not have some Madeira Madeira, right? Also, also, I I heard a version that came out a year or two ago where the um the man's role was sung by a woman and the woman's role was sung by a man. That's also very entertaining. It's also, a, a, a neat hmm. bit of of recontextualization. Uh, Steve, what do you think of these uh, two songs? I think it's 2015. I think we need to be sex positive. You know, we still need to be safe. And and I think that that is that is what this matchup is all about. Okay, yes. Our next matchup features the number seven seed. It's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams versus the Family Man, the uh, Nicolas Cage heartwarming uh, death story, I believe. Um, I haven't actually seen the movie. I watched. The I don't know. If that's I, the one. Is that the one? I don't know. Is it the one where the 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 mom dies in Iraq and then he has to explain to the children about it? Is it is it the one leaving Las Vegas where he's a drunk and Elizabeth Shue, the prostitute, saves him? I I don't know. Um, I haven't seen the movie. I did watch the trailer uh, when I put it into the post as an example uh, under the polls. Uh, and it apparently features Nicolas Cage dying in, like, a convenience store that is being robbed by Don Cheadle, except then Don Cheadle turns out to be the angel who's taking Mm -hmm. him on a a it's-a-wonderful-lifestyle journey, I think. Uh, I I saw this movie in the theater, and that is more than I remember. I just remember that Nicolas Cage isn't involved in it. I think a sitcom star uh, is the... His ex-wife, I believe. Well, it's Don Cheadle, star of the Golden Palace. Um, Don Cheadle is not his ex-wife. Oh, crap. <laughs> okay. Uh, versus It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, which, frankly, because of its use in advertising, I associate more with back-to-school season, yes. when Staples would use it in their ads of parents gleefully buying new binders because the kids are leaving. Uh, Steve, does this match your experiences? Um, wow. I was thinking it was going to be like a Lexus with a bow on top of it, you know, back to our Nissan comment earlier on in the first half of the show. Um, like more Christmas shopping and, uh, you know, like a, a Target commercial or a, a Walmart commercial. I buy all my Nissans from Walmart. Um, I just went to the Costco for the first time in my life today and they, they sell cars there and $85,000 earrings and a $1.50 bratwurst and soda combos. It was it was truly the most wonderful time of the year. It's your one-stop shop. Yes, that is legit. All those things were there. I'm not making it up. Our podcast is brought to you today by Costco. Yeah, they pay their employees well. God, I hope so. Moving on. <laughs> Our next matchup is Last Christmas by Wham, the number 58 seed, versus the uh, number 71 seed, Woodland Critter Christmas, also from South Park. Uh, Scott, what do you think of these? I don't think I remember what the episode Woodland Critter Christmas. That may have been from after I stopped watching the series. I think it probably was. It was shortly before I stopped watching. That that was when, uh, like, Stan and Kyle had to perform some sort of satanic rite in the woods or something. Or, or the woodland creatures abducted one of them to perform a satanic rite of some sort. And it was Christmas. I don't remember that much more about it. Yeah, so, I mean, Last Christmas is another one that, it's a fine song. It's not really one of my favorites. I wouldn't say I really like the song, but it's, I don't have any objection to it. Steve, if I give you my heart, 
the very next day, are you going to give it away? No, absolutely not. And neither would George Michael. I, I think they were, I, I, I think they're, they were just singing it. And, uh, George Michael, another man of the people. Sure. Um, I forget. And I used to know his partner who sang in the song, who was in Wham, and I just don't anymore. I did have several Wham tapes as a child. Um, I'm less ashamed of that than I am the, the California Raisins. Unlike at the beginning of this uh, uh, section of the show, I'm really not here to judge. Yeah, I like Wham. They're not bad. Yeah, no, no, nothing against Wham. Our next matchup uh, features another uh, all-time holiday classic, the number 26 seed Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. And the aforementioned Carol Kane. And the aforementioned Carol Kane. And Bobcat Goldthwait and a star-studded cast. Uh, Buster Poindexter. Yes. Wow. Versus number 103, uh, the Raw segment, Christmas 1997, when Steve Austin stunned Santa. Uh, Scott, I know you are a huge Scrooged fan. Tell us a little bit about why. Scrooged is one of the very few Christmas Carol adaptations I am a big fan of. Part of it is just Bill Murray. That was sort of in that era where Bill Murray was just really great in a lot of different movies. Uh, part of it is the slightly skewed take on the subject, where it's not completely changing the original. It stays rather, when you really analyze it, it stays rather close to the original story, but it just sort of has a weird slant on it, mainly with the casting and some of the characterization. They, they, they sort of twist all the scenes sideways a little bit, so they're just, just different enough to be entertaining, but not so different that it's a very different story. Uh, but at base, it is a rather faithful adaptation of the original Christmas Carol story. So I am I am a big fan of that movie. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, Bill Murray is my favorite uh, favorite actor. I I just realized I've never seen this movie based on the description in the cast, and so I'm going to make it my Christmas mission. And uh, I am hoping that you guys hold me to this oh. to go grab this from the library and and watch this. Before Christmas, I'm not sure if it's, it's based on the people who you said in it. It would be appropriate for children, so maybe I will just watch it with my wife. I think it depends how old the kids are. I don't think it, it's not like full of like sex or violence or anything like that. But it's you know it's a Bill Murray comedy. It's not vastly different from any other Bill Murray comedy of the era in terms of appropriateness. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure I remember how young your youngest is, but the. Uh Ghost of Christmas Future section might be a little disturbing for young, young kids. Yeah, yeah he, he's frightened by the Muppets, so yeah, he, he right. would be. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of, in, in a lot of adaptations, really, the Ghost of Christmas Future is, you know, this, this really disturbing figure, so that might not be great for very, very young kids. But uh, the Steve Austin segment uh, was also, like, right, in the middle of Austin's golden period where like he could do no wrong. And, and yet when I watched this clip, which is also in the post, uh, under the polls, I was impressed by the fact that it managed to be genuine in the middle of the WWF attitude era, which was above all else cynical. When, you know, Austin is stunning Santa because he's a person and Austin has to stun everyone, except he's doing it because, if I recall correctly, a little girl in the crowd 
is is shaking her head at him that no that's that's not the real santa and he like leans over the rope and asks her you know you know little child is this the real santa and and, and she shakes her head no and then he goes into his hole you know if if this isn't the real santa give me a hell yeah whatever and then stuns santa who i believe was played by the brooklyn brawler as well Everyone's played by the Brooklyn Brawler. Everyone's played by the Brooklyn Brawler, but, you know, Santa is talking to him like, don't stun me, Steve Austin! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that that I thought was uh, pretty fun. Uh, Steve, what did you think of that segment? Um, it's another one where you go back and it's just not as great as it, uh, as, as it used to be. Uh, that era... It's just not as fun for me anymore. At the time, it was it was great. I, I don't think it's boy, boy. Again, with our audience being more wrestling fans, I hope that it does not upset Bill Murray. Who we'd be remiss to say, uh, remiss not to say that he has a Christmas special coming out this year. Does he? Yes, on Netflix, and I believe he has a song with the French indie band Phoenix that he will be debuting. Oh my goodness! I will have yes. to find that. You can't it, see my face right now, but I am I am amazed and glad. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's pretty much like, it, and I, I think a lot of the people who are involved in the um, God, I was going to say Noah. I mean, it's getting late and I'm getting tired. Um, um, who's the guy who Bill Murray is doing a lot of the movies for now? Very quirky, Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, it's up. Oh, maybe not. Or Wes Anderson. There's- Wes Anderson. Thank oh, you. Like okay. Royal Tenenbaums, that kind of stuff. Um, I believe there's a lot of people involved with uh, his movies who are going to be in it as well. Anderson Cooper? Um, yes, Anderson Cooper. And that, that oh, that's another holiday thing that should have made it. Anderson Cooper and Kathy Griffin, uh, New Year's Eve on CNN. It is, a <laughs> New, it is a New Year's Eve tradition in our home. Oh, we don't wow. go out anymore uh, with having kids, so that is what we do. Watch Kathy Griffith like push the censors and make Anderson Cooper giggle like a little girl. It's oh. it's great fun. Oh wow! Okay, well we'll do that in our uh, New Year's tournament. Yes. <laughs> our next matchup, number thirty nine, uh, The Simpsons. Marge, be not proud. This is the shoplifting episode uh, when when Bart shoplifts the uh, ultraviolet game, and and everyone is very disappointed in him. And then at the end, it's all heartwarming, and Marge gets him a game, and it's it's the most boring golf game. Essential <laughs> gag at the end of the episode versus number ninety, Christmas. Sweaters. This this is something that has never really entered my experience. Steve, it sounds like you are feeling some feelings right now. Yeah, I I think Christmas sweaters might have been better two years ago. I think Christmas sweaters is on a downward spiral right now. Oh, you think it's played out? Um, yeah, I think it was cute before, like having like Christmas sweater parties. It started to be cute, like you'd have to go and find like really bad Christmas sweaters. Because, you know, that was the thing back in the days. Christmas sweaters were really ugly. But now it's like stores purposely come out with them. I mean, even WWE has some. Um, you know, the, so now it, it is uh, almost a joke. If you go to any store, like if right now you're going to be able to, to find them. Target had Hanukkah ones even last year, uh, which I, I almost did buy. Um, Seth Rogen is wearing an ugly Hanukkah sweater in a new movie that's coming out this this fall. So I, I think it is kind of uh, played out, over commercialized, and uh, I think we'll it will be going on to the worst of the Christmas holiday tournament to come out next year. Uh, well, I suppose that's the life cycle of ironic kitsch stuff, right? Right, exactly. 
Yeah, there's a point where you're sort of mocking how ugly Christmas sweaters are, and then you sort of cross over the tipping point where now you are purposefully making ugly things. Mm-hmm. And trying to make lots of money on it and cash in. Oh, for sure. Well, everyone's Which always is the, trying to make lots of money and cash in. Yeah, that is the Christmas spirit for some people. Not judging. Not judging. Our next matchup features the number 10 seed, A Christmas Story, versus number 119, Midnight Mass, mm. which is something that, uh, given the uh, makeup of this podcast, I don't think we can do justice. Uh, My primary experience with Midnight Mass is being annoyed that every channel is running Midnight Mass and none of them are running the Yule Log. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, a Christmas Story is, again, one of those like canonical classic movies. Uh, Steve, what do you think of that? I think that if I am looking at this region, that your final for this region is almost guaranteed to be Charlie Brown Christmas versus Christmas Story. And whomever wins that might win the whole tournament. That is my prediction. Goodness. Um, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. That may very well occur. Um, I personally am not a big fan of A Christmas Story. It's, it's okay. Not, yeah, it's not something that ever really wormed its way into my heart the way some other uh, Christmas movies did. And uh, some people love that movie. Oh, they, the, And maybe it's like the generation before us that really has... Uh, it has warmed their cockles. I just want to say cockles. Say cockles all you want. There you go. Nipples. Nipples. Our next matchup, not Weird. Gonna, not going to make that segue, is the yeah. number 55 seed, <laughs> the Rockets <laughs> Christmas Spectacular. It was not meant to happen. Versus number 74, the 12 Days of Christmas. Scott, take us out of the gutter. I actually, this was, I think, two or three years ago. They ran it on PBS, and I actually watched the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular show. The entire wow. thing on PBS. And it was quite an entertaining show. Sure. I mean, it was a little more focused on a whole long line of women kicking as high as they can. That went on a little longer than I think was really entertaining. But it, it really was a very entertaining show. As a stage show, as a Christmas Spectacular, it really was a good show. It surprised me. Yeah, I think I think I watched it at the same time and thought uh, much the same thing. Uh, Steve, uh, just living where you where you are, I don't expect you've ever gone. Uh, but have you seen it, or what do you think of this? Uh, these two things. I, I have n- I know of the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular. Um, I know it is not. Uh, I, I know it is not as good as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, um. Flattery will get you everywhere. Exactly. I knew it would. So, yes, I have not been able to go to New York uh, for Christmas. Um, I believe my wife is going to be able to do that this year, and she's leaving us at home. And um, we can go into detail off air about that. Well, I will cry and rock back and forth for a little bit. Oh, no. Um, I enjoy the 12 days of Christmas. I like maids that are milking. I like swans swimming, and I like geese laying, and I like five golden rings, and I like little advent calendars, which I think might not be on here. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think we might have missed that one. 
that that you know that's like the that's the Christmas version of Hanukkah Gelt right there. Uh, sure, especially the uh, Star Wars Lego Advent Calendar, as mentioned yes. in a recent edition of the Wednesday Walk, uh, which I didn't know about, but apparently has been going on for a couple of years, where every day you get just a little piece of Star Wars Lego, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know. It wasn't clear from what I saw whether like each day you get one piece, and then at Christmas you can put together a little ship, or if each day you get a small ship or a figure or something like that. Twelve Days of Christmas, much like Deck of the Halls, prime candidate for song parody source material. Oh yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. I'm, I'm sure there have been been tons tons of them, and of, and of course a classic that that most everyone knows. Moving on, our next matchup uh, features another classic, number twenty three, The Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, versus number one hundred and six, A Walsh Family Christmas. From Beverly Hills, 90210. Steve, I know you are the expert on 90210. Bring it home. Well, this is the episode where the Walshes from Minneapolis, um, there is much ado. The Dylan is sleeping around. He has upset Kelly. The girl, you know, Valerie from uh, Saved by the Bell has come in. Uh, she is older. She is a sex pot. Her bosoms are overflowing, and and Dylan wants them both. Uh, Brandon has an existential crisis. Uh, Steve Sanders is just really full of himself in this episode, and David Silver's friend, I believe, commits suicide. But at the end, they all get together and have a fabulous Christmas, and then they, uh, I, th- I believe that was the end of the, st- the st- oh, uh, Shannon, what's her name? Shannon Doherty, um, has a crying fit because Aww. she's not on it. Yeah. Well, she's not on it. Cause that's why the girl from Saved by the Bells on there. That, that yeah. was, took us on a journey. It did. Yeah. I mean, that, that pretty much sums up. Oh, they, and then they had pie at the peach pit at the end, I believe too. Well, they must've won the Emmy for that episode. Yes. Epic, epic, epic. But it's up against Michael Caine. And Rolf. And Rolf. Rolf. It's, it's... I didn't see The Muppet Christmas Carol as a kid. I only saw it... It might have been last year. It might have been the year before. Because it was on Netflix. And everyone thought it was a classic. And I watched it. And seeing it as an adult, I agree that it's a classic. <laughs> it's got great songs... It's got great casting of the Muppets as the different characters, which any of these Muppet parody movies has to have really, you know, strong Muppet casting. It's got <laughs> the aforementioned Michael Caine. It, it's it's just really got everything that I'm looking for in a Muppet movie, in a Christmas movie, in a Muppet Christmas movie. Uh, Steve, I am sure you agree. Oh, absolutely. And I am a, a longtime Muppets person. Um not there, but I, I they had a um, one later on that I really enjoyed too, um, and I can't remember the name of it offhand. That was that was pretty fun. Did not make our our list. Uh, true, true. That one I still have not seen, but maybe this year. I don't know. The holiday season is just beginning. There you go. Our next matchup and the final one in the Peanuts region. Uh, number 42, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, versus number 87, A Rugrats Hanukkah. 
which I appreciate just for existing, really. Yeah. Yes. Just just for being a popular children's show with a visibly Jewish and often visibly Jewish family. I think that's just, you know, a good thing for there to have been in the world. Well, exactly. Um, the, the Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree is, a, is another classic Christmas carol. Um, when I used to work at Blockbuster back in the day, I always thought it was weird the amount of Rugrats VHSs that there were and just the fact that that one was there, you know, all year long on the shelves always amu- kind of amused me. Not oft not often rented, but still there. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm sure there aren't a whole lot of people going to the video store in April and looking for Rugrats Hanukkah, especially since a Rugrats Passover is also a thing right there for you. Um this song Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. This is a song that I've always thought of as fine, you know, kind of bland, whatever, a Christmas song, but was utterly and completely ruined for me, I think, two years ago, at my office Christmas party. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, woof. When we had this, this party game, and the party games at office parties are always the dirt worst, right? Mm-hmm. We had this game where the woman who put together the party... Did a lot of fine work. We had it at a local Indian restaurant, Indian Christmas party. It, it was a very nice meal. But the party game that she devised was that there was this box with many, many layers of wrapping on it. And mm. everyone would pass it around. You pass it yes, around the table that you're on. You pass it to the next table. It goes all the way around the room. And she would play music. And you pass it around as long as the music is playing. And when she stops the music... The person who is holding the box at that moment unwraps a layer of wrapping. And if that happens to be the last layer of wrapping, then they get that gift. If it's not, start the music again, pass it over. Not only was the song playing during this game rocking around the Christmas tree, it was always the first 20 seconds because this person did not know how to pause her CD player. She could only stop. Wow. And and so... Over and over again, because there were multiple boxes as well. This went on for quite some time, hearing the first 15 to 30 seconds or so of rocking around the Christmas tree. Like, most times the vocals hadn't even, or had hardly come in, but this, just the beginning of this song, over and over and over again, and I'm done. I am done. I can't hear this song again. The flames, flames on the sides of my face. <laughs> No, don't, don't do it to me. <laughs> don't. I am done. I am done. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. So are you picking that one to uh, advance? Well, I'm, well, maybe. I haven't actually seen a Rugrats Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It might be worse. Oh, hmm. <laughs> Moving on. The Wonderland region, right? Yes. How about that Wonderland region? Okay. Our first matchup in the Wonderland region is the number three overall seed, Frosty the Snowman, the cartoon from 1969, versus number 126, Black Friday. Uh, i just like to put in a reminder here, if you're doing shopping on Black Friday and you're about to stampede into a Target and possibly get murdered for the sake of low-priced cameras, please don't. Just go to PlaySpeedNation.com, click on that Amazon sidebar. 
Do your shopping. Wow. Do your shopping Expert- right there. Expertly smooth. done. You know, there's a better way, people. There's a better way to live. Black Friday, much like the Christmas sweaters from earlier, I feel like it's peaked, and now it's sort of... It's gone too far. It's no longer fun anymore. It was better back in like the late 90s or early 2000s. At this point, it's just too much, too overboard, too overblown, not worth it anymore. It's, it's, I'm done with Black Friday. You can get the same deals online for the same products. You can get most of the same deals online in June. Yeah. Yeah, we, true. My wife and I do it every year, but we don't do it big. We go a little bit later. And usually, like, maybe go to a clothing store and just, uh, you know, get some winter clothes for the two of us. Maybe go to a Target, get a toy, that, uh, maybe a couple movies. Uh, more more to people watch than any, everything. Oh, I'm sure the people watching must be rich. I am, uh, I am known to go to a Target in a random Chicago suburb and just start shouting out things like, Oh my God, $5 off of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure? That is the kind of stuff that I do on Black Friday. <laughs> oh, that's oh no, that's vaguely cruel. But I'm not. Are here you to kidding? Judge. <laughs> uh, it's it is great fun. I'll I'll usually get a random like DVD or Blu-ray that's like four bucks, and then I'll put it in the closet and I'll I'll never open it. Which is a long, long that is a long uh, standing Willie tradition. That's a long game you're playing there. Yeah, there are VHS tapes that have never been opened that my mom has purchased. I mean, uh, and also, I mean, much like the holiday season in general, Black Friday is sort of colonizing Thursday as well. Yeah, they've been yeah. doing Black Friday since the 1st of November. And they're going to keep doing it pretty much until the middle of December. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, j- just, I mean, specifically, like, the zoo, you know, at midnight or 11 or 10, 9 or 8 o'clock on Thanksgiving, just, just... These mobs of people—it's ugly. It's it's not it's not good. And I've been living in my little community for 15 years now, and uh, this will be the first year that we try it around here. Usually, we are are traveling, um, and our, our children are going to be watched, and we're going to see how it goes because we have a, a decent sized mall here, but we have a lot of farm towns that people come in from, from what I understand, and so. Um, the, the people watching may be really good. Well, I, I wish you best in, in those endeavors. Yeah, I'm going to get myself a large soda, maybe a Sabaro pizza. This podcast brought to you by Sabaros. <laughs> $4 slices of crap pizza. Uh, <laughs> this podcast no longer is sponsored by Sabaros. <laughs> <laughs> this and podcast brought to you by any random pizzeria that probably exists within two and a half miles of your house. That's what I'm fueled by. Uh, meanwhile, this is up against Frosty the Snowman, which is a classic that everyone loves. Agreed? Yes. Okay. Our next matchup. Number 62, Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse, versus number 67, another of my favorite Christmas movies, Trading Places. Trading Places is a great movie. 
It's it's a great movie, yeah. and Christmas really is integral to it. I mean, you can't have that movie without the entire sequence of Dan Aykroyd in a Santa suit that just gets dirtier and rattier and dirtier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dan Aykroyd pulling the Christmas ham out of his Santa beard. <laughs> or was it, oh, was it a ham or was it a salmon? I don't even remember. Wasn't I, it like on a necklace of some sort? He was like picking up and taking... Just take a chop on the bus. Oh, it's a it's a classic. It's a classic. One of the great Eddie Murphy uh, movies of the eighties. You know, in in that pair with Coming to America Mm -hmm. um, versus the Pee Wee Playhouse Christmas Special, which I actually didn't know about again until someone nominated it. And when I was looking up videos to put in here, I found a stunning. Stunning performance by Grace Jones. Oh, yes. Who you don't think of in the same thought as Pee Wee Herman or Christmas, but this this video, which is again under the polls on, on the Place to Be site, is just incredible. She, she's, she's, I mean, Grace Jones is incredible on her own. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, Steve, anything on these? Um, I have heard of a thing. And stick with me on this. That, like, I, I heard this originally from women's wrestlers, and I bet I, I understand that other people do this too. They like make wish lists, wish lists on Amazon, which, and then you can go to Place to Be Nation, click on the link, and go look at the wish lists. Thank you, sir. Um, and then, like, people, like fans, will buy things for them. Have you heard of this? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen people. Uh, I've seen non-celebrities. Uh, doing doing that, making lists in, uh, which are public, and, uh, yeah, and like very kind-hearted people buying things for them. I've often seen it for you know uh, lower-income people or people in dire straits. I've seen it for like people that run websites and don't necessarily make a huge income off of it, but they you know have a wish list if you want to buy them something. Right. And now that you made me feel bad for going this way, but I'm going to anyway. I, I feel that with Place to Be Nation, that maybe we should have one of these. And I would put on there things that I would never in a million years buy, but would be fun to have, and see if anyone would ever buy them for me. Just to see if, like, I've, I've, just because. And, and the complete series of Pee Wee's Playhouse would be one of those things. Oh, yes, I, I understand they just recently did an incredible restoration. Really? Yes. Uh, and I watched all of them when I was a, when I was a kid. I was one of my, Saturday morning, my parents would usually sleep in. I'd watch a little Muppet Babies. I'd watch a little Pee Wee's Playhouse. Life was good. My Both of those shows were very important to me as a child, although I think I was just a little young. I came in at the tail end of both of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I still I still loved both of them very much. And about that, that restoration, I believe they did the same sort of restoration on Pee-wee's Playhouse as they did for Star Trek The Next Generation on Blu-ray, where they went back to the original film elements. Really? And, and it was a show like uh, Next Gen that was uh, filmed on film and edited on video. So they went back to the vaults and had hmm. to re-edit all the shows from the original notes and do some of the visual effects when they had, you know, wacky, you know, when Cherry did wacky things or whatever. Um, but they did a full-scale remastering on that that I understand. I haven't seen it, but I understand it's spectacular. Wow. That sounds great. That That is definitely a wish list item for me as well. Unless it goes up on streaming somewhere. <laughs> uh, next 
is number 30, Santa Baby by the Immortal Eartha Kit. Versus number 99, Christmas All Over Again by the decidedly mortal Tom Petty and the probably mortal Heartbreakers. Uh, Steve, tell us about these. I would also add, because here, I think Eartha Kit, see, there's two ways to go with this. Santa Baby, one of the more, um, dare I say, sexy Christmas songs, um, done several times on, on TV shows. I remember Ally McBeal, that being a thing. But when I think Eartha Kit, I think Batman, the original 60s, her as Catwoman. I think of Julie Newmar. I think of Yvonne Craig. I, I, I think of, of, I, I think of feeling things in my private areas. Um, I, I think of just a wonderful time of life. And I was, I think that I should put the DVDs of the Batman series on, on, uh, on my wish list as well. See, that's a thing you did not think I was going to say, did you? I I love I love that Batman series so so much. It is the best Batman, truly. Oh, it really is. Um, yeah, an Eartha Kit fabulous in it. Julie Newmar fabulous in it. Absolutely, as Catwoman. Uh, Scott, anything to add about this? What do you think of Batman? <laughs> I agree. I can't imagine what Scott's face looked like when I said that. I agree. That is the best Batman. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> comment about that on our show notes. <laughs> All the uh, place to be nation comics people. Um, Nick Duke agrees with me. Yes, I know. I know Nick Duke agrees with me. Everyone else, maybe not as much. But there's, there's, there are the three of us, and you know we're doing it. Our next matchup, number thirty-five, uh, Mariah, dear Mariah. All I want for Christmas is you. Versus number 94, Beavis and Butthead do Christmas, and Scott is feeling feelings again, aren't you? <laughs> Not those kind of feelings. Not Eartha Kit feelings? Not no. Eartha Kit feelings, no. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is... I've heard it too much. Not quite as much as you with Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Flames! But they play that song all the time! I, I, I've heard it too much. It's not a bad song. It's just ubiquitous. And I've gotten incredibly sick of it. On the other hand, Beavis and Butthead Do Christmas is a great, great show. Really from the time when Beavis and Butthead was still a very, very entertaining show. And, Be- and the Cr- Beavis and Butthead Christmas show is a great show. I love it. On the Beavis and Butthead special... Uh, it consists of two parts. One part is basically It's a Wonderful Life with Beavis and Butthead. The other section is uh, Letters to Santa Butthead with Reindeer Beavis. Yes. Where they have their costumes, they're on the sleigh set-ish, and they're answering quote-unquote viewer questions. And that is the section that is in the post... In the, in the video section on PlaceBeNation.com, that is the part that I watched recently, whereas the It's a Wonderful Life section I have not watched recently, and I've got to say, it does not hold up for me. Really? Yeah. That's disappointing. Like, like the central gag of that whole part is, is, have, is the girls who write in saying, oh, Beavis is cute, and, and Butthead's only response is like, huh, that, that's stupid. Uh, and 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 whacking Beavis with with the whip and it it really did not come off well for me as an adult. It did not hold up. Well, I guess I'd have yeah. to rewatch it, but I remember loving that show 
in the 90s. Oh, I, I loved it, too. I, I loved it as recently as... When was the last time we watched it? I think you got the DVD in, like, 02. Uh, I, I still loved it then, but watching that section of it now turned my mind on it. Uh, Steve, I know that you are a Mariah Carey fan and a fan yeah, of the song, a- and I I agree with a lot of your reasons, so tell us about it. Um, that time... Um, <sighs> There's not many other Christmas songs that came out for a few years before that, a few years after that, that really was original. That wasn't just, you know, uh, a repeat or a cover of something that's already been done. So when that Christmas album came out, and yeah, I was kind of like a weird R&B Mariah Carey fan at that point in my life, kind of at the tail end of it. But it, it was just kind of neat to see, oh, finally there's some new Christmas music out. But I completely agree with Scott, like, that this is played so much these days. And that is another song that you can hear in any mall store on pretty much every single Christmas commercial that you'll, uh, that'll be out there. Um, and it's, and it's kind of a shame because it, it is a decent song. It, it, there's a lot of fun songs on that album. Uh, another fun album that didn't make it that's kind of new. Going back, the the she and him with Zoe Deschanel has a uh, Christmas album that came out with the last year or two. Pre or post otter? Pre otter, um, but it's not a bad little album. All right, we we need more good Christmas music that's current, that's an original. True. I mean, so much of what we still listen to. I mean, we've seen here it comes from the fifties some of it from the 60s, less from the 70s, less from the 80s, and, and it goes on. Uh, so, yeah, we, we need we need new, good Christmas music. Someone get on it. Yeah, and good for Mariah for doing it, and I'm, I'm really sad that, that um, she's become basically a vegetable. Completely mentally ill. It's sad. Ooh, yeah, I don't really know the stories there or the extent of that, but... Yeah, she's had, she has quite the decline. Oh, goodness. Uh, next up on our docket here, uh, number... Merry, f- Merry Christmas, Mariah. Mer- Merry Christmas, Mariah. Uh, number 14, Cookies und Milk, versus number 115, Mexican Wedding Cookies. <laughs> what happened here? Uh, How can cookies be against cookies? Well, you know, when people were voting, I don't think they were saying, oh, this is going to be number 14, and obviously it's going to be going up against number 115. I don't yes. think anyone had that in their minds. How did that happen? Uh, do you blame me too, Steve? No. Or are just, you getting um, on this bandwagon of hate? I, I am more saying that, like, what are the chances out of 128 things we have two on cookies and they end up going up against each other? I, I know, I know. It's It's unlikely. But here we are. This is the you world to, we've made. You have to pick cookies and milk because Mexican wedding cookies could be involved in the cookies and milk. True. Also, it might be that the Mexican wedding cookies I've had just haven't been very well made. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the ones that I've had have been kind of dry and crumbly and not really what I'm looking for in a cookie. Oh, I disagree. Really? I love Mexican wedding cookies. Yeah, they're really good. The the worry is if they put too much powdered sugar on it. So if you uh, if you eat them, it like goes up your sinuses, uh, and then you're in trouble. Definitely, it's, it's just def- too much. Definitely a risk. Yeah, and maybe maybe like maybe like I said, the ones I've I just haven't been that good. But that's 
what comes to mind for me versus you know cookies and milk like they can be any any sort of cookie and I am all about cookies under the right circumstances. Oh yeah. Anything else about cookies, guys? I think we actually do have another cookie coming up. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'll tell you this story off the air because I've already incriminated in myself enough. <laughs> okay, we'll make a note. Our next matchup, number fifty-one, Joy to the World, versus number seventy-eight, the nineteen fifty-one Scrooge, starring Alastair Sim. Which, uh, Scott, do you think this is low? Because this is the one that I think of when I think of the story yes. of Scrooge. Yes, this is the mm-hmm. version of A Christmas Carol, in my mind. The Alastair Sim version. Uh, yeah, Alastair Sim, I don't know anything about him as an actor other than this movie, but like his eyes convey a lot. They, they kind of bug out. He looks like half mad at times. Um, if I recall correctly, the scene that I put in under the video section is him uh, talking to Bob Cratchit the day after Christmas when he he can barely contain how happy he is that he's now a virtuous man. And his eyes are bugging out and he's kind of tr- hunching over, trying to collect himself, but he can't because he's just so happy to be good. Yes. <laughs> And and he is is telling Cratchit, oh, oh, this, this is this is simply this is simply not acceptable. Except he's kind of giggling because yes. he still can't contain himself. And then he, he he it just takes over and he says, "You must give yourself a raise. You must heat the room more." And, and it, it becomes this broad performance that I really really appreciate. Uh, Steve, what do you what do you think about uh, that movie and the matchup? The um... <sighs> I, I think that you know, maybe people saw the year and freaked out a little bit, but maybe, for me, yeah. this is this is the version as well. Like I know the George C. Scott movie, but and this movie's a little scary, uh, and maybe it's just um, you know seeing it as a child and the the black and white version of it. Uh, but yeah, I highly recommended it. Only seventy eighth seed. Um, hopefully, people go out and check this out. Joy of the World, not not one of my favorite Christmas tunes. Uh, a little odd. Yeah, it, it's just kind of a standard, right? Yeah, it, it's something you sing in like a middle school chorus concert. Uh, meanwhile, our next matchup is one that, uh, Scott, I'm going to want to get your comments on. It is the number 19 seed, the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. Uh, all three of them, I believe there are three. Versus the number 110 seed, the now yearly tradition of the Doctor Who Christmas special. Go. I, I must once again register my complaint that... that, that <laughs> the two things I actually like have to go up against each other. Why, why Why couldn't one of these go up against Joy to the World and then one of them go up against uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse or Black Friday shopping or something? Uh, I don't know why I have to go along with that injustice. However, I will say this about the Doctor Who Christmas specials. They were a lot more special when the Doctor Who season ran from March through June. Now when the Doctor Who season runs from September through the end of November, and there's only like a month between the end of the season and the Christmas special, it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot less special. Also, it might have been a little more special when there were fewer of them. I mean, there have been eight or nine by now. Well, I, I don't even think that takes away from it. I just think it was 
the excitement of a new Doctor Who episode on Christmas was it, there was a lot more excitement around it when it was the first new episode in six months rather than the first new episode in one month. True, true. Uh, and well, my main point about there being you know more of them, you know, another one every year is that there have been a couple of dodgy ones. Well, of course, nothing is going to be excellent every time. You're True. always going to have variation. Yeah. Uh, so, but th- there have been some great. There have been at least two great ones too. Uh, the Christmas Carol, I think, is far and away the best, and one of my favorite retellings of a Christmas Carol, actually, uh, <laughs> right up there with Alistair Sim and the Muppets. <laughs> you were always a much bigger fan of that episode than I was. Yeah, yeah, I. I I guess I was. Um, the t- time of the Doctor as well, I thought was a pretty good one, the end of, of Matt Smith's tenure. I think it was interesting that they used the Christmas special, which is usually like the most watched episode of Doctor Who in a given year because of cultural factors in Britain. It's a thing that a lot of people do is they watch, they get the family together, they watch these things on Christmas, so you have a lot of people who don't necessarily watch the show watching that episode, and so most of the episodes they make are not continuity heavy, but that one really, really was, because it was the outgoing episode for the actor, and so, and it wrapped up a whole lot of plot arcs, and I think it was a little bit daring to do all of that in a Christmas episode, when you have so many people watching who don't watch the show, and I think, you know, it was a pretty good episode, too. Uh, but meanwhile... The Adam Sandler Hanukkah song is... Well, first of all, it's a great song. It's a fun song. Yeah. And... Has that done more... Is, has that done more for the mainstream uh, understanding of Hanukkah? Maybe not understanding isn't the right word, but you know, for more people to know about Hanukkah than anything else in the last you know 20 years? It's probably the only Hanukkah-related song that's regularly listened to by Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe because it because it's a list of so many people they know. <laughs> O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. Yeah, we're not taking them. Where we are not. No, 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 not not nearly. We wouldn't even take him in the Dave Chappelle draft. No. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 really fun. It's a bit of you know, kind of kind of humorous. Uh, Jewish humor about how many like almost covert Jews, or that—that's a little ominous. I shouldn't phrase it like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a little Jewish humor about how many covert Jews have infiltrated Hollywood. Let's move on, please. <laughs> we're we're actually slowly taking over VFW halls. Tell your friend Veronica we're moving on to the next matchup. <laughs> the number forty-six seed is Lethal Weapon. The number 83 seed is Hanukkah Kheri, another SNL skit starring John Lovitz, obviously, as Hanukkah Kheri. Uh, Steve, what do you have on these? Um, I hate John Lovitz, but I like Hanukkah Kheri. Um, no, <laughs> if that enough. makes any sense. Fair um, enough. That, this was a time of SNL that I was it um, that I did very much enjoy, um, and I had a friend who would tape a lot of the episodes, so he was really excited for me when he saw that and made sure to to send me a copy uh, on the, on the old VHS. Lethal Weapon 
See, again, Die Hard, I see, even though they're very similar movies, Die Hard, I see, is a crit more of a Christmas movie. Lethal Weapon, I really had no idea that it occurred during Christmas time. Yeah, un- until I was, you know, really thinking about it, I kind of forgot that it took place at Christmas. I mean, there's that scene uh, where Mel Gibson uh, has a drug bust at a Christmas tree field mm-hmm. uh, and and things like that. But again, I mean... It takes place in California, and so it doesn't have that like Christmas flavor that that I really think of living where I do. Uh, Hanukkah Harry, I didn't really know that well until it was nominated here, and I looked it up, and you know the skit that I found was fine. Uh, I think it's the only one. Was it? I think so. Okay. I could be wrong. So yeah, this is a couple. A couple of entries that aren't really the strongest. Uh, Scott, what do you think? I am also not the biggest John Lovitz fan, although I'm not familiar with Hanukkah Harry, so I can't really judge it. I do enjoy the first Lethal Weapon movie, although it's such a stark contrast to the later Lethal Weapon movies. Because it's so serious. Mm -hmm. It's such a, a straightforward action drama movie compared to, you know... Joe Pesci and Mel Gibson antics of movies three and four. Yeah, for sure. So, but but I I do still enjoy that movie. I, I do very much like Lethal Weapon. I just don't really associate it as a as a Christmas movie. And I'm going to. I think we should write a letter to someone to uh, get an explanation about it. Uh, I will leave this in your capable hands, sir. All right. Our next matchup features the number six seed. Uh, Home Alone and Home Alone 2, their Christmasness combined. Another, like Die Hard, another two that we put together. Versus the number 123 seed, Santa Claus, the classic all-time wrestling character. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, now, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, definitely Christmas movies. Uh, yes, uh, Another, sure. I mean, as a six seed, obviously it's a favorite. But uh, that might this might be the one that comes out too. I'd, I'd like to see Frosty, Frosty make it out of here. But uh, Home Alone, this, this could be another potential shutout. Although there's going to be one or two people who vote for Santa Claus, and again, we shall like we need to figure out who these people are and have a just have a talk with them. Um, Home well, Alone. I mean, we we might have Ted DiBiase voting. That's that could be. Um, Home Alone. I've seen way more than Home Alone too, but. Really, one of the great funny comedy slapstick uh, slapstick comedy movies. Yeah, you do ever al- made really. You do always have to love a movie that is warm and heartfelt. It's a family movie, but it also features horrible, horrible things happening to Daniel Stern. Yes, Daniel Stern is a great actor at suffering through horrible, horrible things. Yes, uh, and another uh, Joe Pesci movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Joe Pesci, corner in the market on Christmas movies, although he wasn't actually in Lethal 1. He, well, no, he, he wasn't <laughs> in Lethal 1, and Goodfellas actually wasn't a Christmas movie, was it? It probably had a scene at Christmas. That movie took place over a long period of time. I'm sure Christmas occurred. Sure. <laughs> uh, our next matchup, number 59, The Polar Express, versus number 70, Dominic the Donkey, of which... There has been some debate and maybe some 
strife. Uh, Steve, can you get into that a little bit? I, I don't even know what this is. I, 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 I don't know what it is. I don't think it's real. I think that this was made up by our our founder Brad, and I think it's a a joke. I'm sure you put a video or sound clip of some sort. I believe it's probably been doctored, and so yeah, I I, I don't think this is a thing. How Please, dare you no impu- one- How dare you impugn the integrity of this tournament? Um, that's a good point, but I, I just don't. I can't imagine it, that it actually exists. Oh, well, Steve is not a believer in the Italian Christmas donkey. I have conducted an investigation. Yes? Dominic the donkey does have an extensive article on Wikipedia describing what it is. However, at the top of the article is a disclaimer that says this article needs additional citations and Mm -hmm. verification. Oh, no. Yep, that must be not true. So this does not disprove Steve's point in any way. Oh, Steve, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. Thank you. You're welcome. Next up, the number 27 seed, the Jackson 5 Christmas album. Because you couldn't really pick one song. No. No. Uh, versus number 102. Uh, Steve, I think I'm going to ask you a little bit about this. The beginning of the basketball season, NBA on NBC. Um, this one holds a little special place in my heart because uh, it reminds me of childhood. Generally, NBA, you know, I think it starts in like in October, but no one really watched it very much because there was football going on. Um, there were, you know, there's baseball finishing up. And so in the 90s, NBC, and it might have been earlier, um, but the 90s is when it really became famous. Uh, NBC would have like one or two basketball games on. It would always have the Chicago Bulls, um, Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls on. And there weren't really any sports fans on my dad's side of the family where we would celebrate Christmas. So my grandma had a little tiny, like really tiny, like we're talking nine inch television up in her upstairs kitchen while everyone was in the basement. So I would go up there and, and, and watch the Bulls game by myself and, um, and sneak cookies from her, her cookie jar while I watched it. Um, so it just holds a little special place in, um, in my heart. Nowadays, I think they have like four or five games, which I see, feel is a little bit ridiculous to do on Christmas Day. Um, so th- that's why I wanted to see it included. Um, I'm sure it won't get many votes, but it, it holds a place dear in my heart. But also not as good as the Jackson 5. Uh, yeah, Scott, Jackson 5. Jackson 5 Christmas album is a great Christmas album. Um... Jackson Jackson 5 are a great band, so I have nothing against that. The only the only thing I would say is that even now that the NBA games are on ESPN, they still do a big deal about their Christmas Day lineup. It's still sort of the unofficial start of the season. It's yeah. sort of the time when people shift their focus from the NFL season to the NBA. They always do a big presentation on Christmas with the biggest, most popular teams. And there's a lot. I mean, it's it is all day. It starts late morning and goes till virtually midnight, I believe. Well, ESPN has like five channels to fill. Right. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have number thirty-eight, "The Christmas Song" by Nat King Cole, versus number ninety-one, "Scrooge," the nineteen seventy musical starring Albert Finney. Uh, this is not a movie I know a lot about. It's kind of the lost Christmas Carol movie for me. 
Uh, have either of you seen this? I am I'm not familiar with either of these two, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe if someone played the Christmas song for me, I'll, I'll listen to it. Uh, and the, uh, I'm the sure Christ- I've heard the, of it. The Christmas song is uh, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like trying to hide itself by not calling itself its obvious title. It's a covert song. I'm also meeting in the, the basement of VFW Halls. To, to roast them chestnuts. Yes. Uh, which is is ob- that all you do? <laughs> roast them chestnuts. I don't care what it takes. <sighs> this, okay. Next up. <laughs> uh, this is the biggest... This is a funny one. <laughs> Next up at number 11 is Miracle on 34th Street. Again, a classic. Uh, number 118, Merry Merry Christmas, a song and album by the new kids on the block. Steve, take it away. Yes. I once, I don't know if this has ever been documented in podcast form. I was once at a mall in my hometown of Schaumburg, Illinois. Very uh, large mall. I think it's like the second biggest in the Midwest. And I was walking through JCPenney, leaving with my parents. Uh, I believe it was my mom and my sister. There is a large, like, gigantic crowd. And this was in the late 80s, like, in the JCPenney. Screaming girls, like, stuff you'd see on television. And it was for the parents of the new kids in the block who had a book out. And there was some sort of deal where you can have the parents of the new kids of the block, you know, sign the book and buy it. And there were like thousands of people in the JCPenney's. That's a story that happened. I'm, it, it, it's, it's quite a deal, I think. I really want to know who the 13 year old girl from the 1980s was that came into our voting block and put this song in there. And I'd like to know how they travel in time. Does it have to do with the Doctor Who Christmas special? How did they get there? I I think that was that was absolutely the the heart of the TARDIS uh, coming coming in and putting it in. Well, no, we have we have lots of '90s fans here, lots lots of fans of '90s music, '90s culture, and here it is again. This is this is more '80s than late late '80s. Is it my? Uh, my sister had a new kids poster, and she's four years younger than me. And I like she was a little girl when she had it, and so I'm thinking eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. Yeah, new new kids was really the end of the nineteen eighties, which did run until about nineteen ninety two. Mm hmm. It's true. <laughs> yes, musically, the eighties didn't end until nineteen ninety two. Everyone agrees on that. that. Fair, fair enough. Against Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, another one that. That everyone's seen, everyone knows the mailbag scene, all of that. Uh, so that is definitely widely known, at the very least. Our next matchup, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear by Ed Ames, the number 54 seed, another uh, classic song, versus number 75, The Nutcracker, which we all probably saw some video of someone doing the Nutcracker ballet, the Nutcracker suite in school at some point, right? <laughs> I remember seeing, I saw the, um, oh, hi. Um, I saw the PBS, uh, on PBS a couple times. Um, I think it was like the famous one. And it's a little creepy. Like, it's a it's a weird story to, to understand. Yeah, true. 
and and something that's really you know kind of warmed its way in, into the culture, and it's you know synonymous, of course, with with Christmas celebrations. Uh, Scott, what do you have on these? If I was going to compare them based just as musical pieces, I enjoy the Nutcracker more than I enjoy. Do you hear what I hear? Mm-hmm. It's a better piece that. of music, in my opinion. Yeah, I get that. When you throw the ballet part in there, and I have nothing against the ballet. Uh, it's not one of my favorite things, but it, it it's an it's an odd show. The music's great, but the the show itself is strange. Yeah, true, true, very true. Next up is our last cookie. It's the uh, peanut butter kiss cookie, number twenty two seed versus the number one hundred and seven seed. Somewhere in the world, it's Christmas from Beverly Hills nine zero two one zero. Steve, oh, once one. again, as the resident 90210 expert, please <laughs> tell us what this is. Well, um, this Christmas special for 90210, basically the Walsh family from Minneapolis uh, hosted Christmas. Um, what happened was Dylan um, was having some women problem with uh, both Kelly and um, I believe Valerie, who was the girl from, uh, New- no, from uh, Saved by the Bell, but now she's all grown up and her her bosoms are overflowing. And then Brandon, I believe, had some sort of existential crisis. Um, also, David Silver's brother, I be- or no, his friend, I believe, uh, committed suicide. And uh, I think they ended up at the Peach Pit at the end, and they all, all had a little pie and listened to some rock music. Ooh, talk about warming the cockles. Yeah. And peanut butter kiss cookies are awesome. We've already had a batch uh, baked and eaten in November. Very, very nice. Moving on. I believe I have to sign with cookies. <laughs> sure. Uh, the very last... Did I mention Shannon Doherty for 90210? I, I think she came back for that one. Oh, well, that was a big episode. Sure. Yeah. Now, the very last matchup in this tournament... The number 43 seed. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas as it is now since we've been recording for a while. <laughs> by by good old Bing versus number 86, Santa's Village. Scott, crack into this one. Is Santa's Village a particular thing or are you just referring to the construct that occurs in many communities where you can go and see the elves and visit Santa? I believe outside of a mall. I believe that's what it is. Oh, okay. Well, we had a, there. I think there were a couple. There was one in Illinois, and I think there was one that Mick Foley talked about. There was like a like a low end amusement park. Well, I think they was, have, I think they have similar things all over the place. Okay. I know. I I remember seeing a couple of them around here, just driving around. Yeah, I think the, so. The one in Illinois was open year round, and I know it closed a few years ago. I think between these, I'd probably have to go with Santa's Village. Actually, it's just an nice, fun thing for the kids. It's not quite mm-hmm. as grubby as the mall Santa. You know, it's an, it's, a, it's it's fun, there's stuff, you get a little gift. Yeah, yeah, you, you do you do hope that it's a little better than the mall installations. Uh, if it's its own place with an outdoor element, they might have like a reindeer petting zoo or something. Yeah, some of them, some of them, at least there's like snow. Yeah. Yeah, Steve, what do you think? Um, I think we need more clarification about Santa's Village. Um, it's another Bing Crosby song. We, I think this is the third one in the tournament. Um, probably the third ranked one, I believe, in my in my opinion. Um, I have fond memories of Santa's Village. It's not as cool 
um, the one I went to as like a Great America, but it, it's more for like little kids. It's it's wintry. It's um it's kind of fun. Are they still around? I think so. I've I've seen them in recent years. You know, seen signs this way to the village or whatever. Why not? There's Why don't you take your brother? It's been a long time since he's asked Santa for anything. For anything, I don't think he believes anymore. I think we'll have to make a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie about the next time I try to bring him into a Santa's village. And it should be on ABC Family. You know, sometimes you just lose your faith, and you have to have it restored by a celebrity guest star. But you've by way up last Christmas. You've got to have faith. With faith. You've yes. got to have faith. A faith. A faith. A. It's just so hard. Devil George Michael reference for the win. Stereo. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> completely different George Michael references. There's so many George Michael references we could make. Woo! Yes. Okay. And that will do it for every matchup in this tournament. But before we leave, because we need to do this just a little while longer. Uh, I want to talk about just a few things that got left out. Uh, Scott, do you have something that you would like to talk about? Well, there's a, there's, there's a few things, I think, that should not have been left out. There was no... I can't believe this was skipped, really. Christmas Eve, 1968. Apollo 8. Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders become the first human beings to visit the moon. The first human-made craft to orbit the moon. And they send a Christmas greeting back to the planet Earth on Christmas Eve, 1968. This is one of the momentous events in the history of human beings. But it didn't make it on the list. It apparently got beat out by the Goldberg Christmas movie. Just by one vote. Well, you know, we are human and we are fallible. And we are young, heartache to heartache. Also, also, there was no entry for the long-standing Christmas tradition of Jay Thomas knocking a meatball off the top of David Letterman's Christmas tree with a football. Oh my god, mm. I can't believe... I can't believe I forgot the meatball. I'm sorry. I truly am. Oh, wow. Uh, Maybe we should do, like, a list of, like, really obscure Christmas pop culture moments. <laughs> maybe that's a, maybe that's for next year. Uh, Santa Claus versus the Martians. That's one that I have. Oh, that's a good one. The Daily Show Andy Williams Christmas special. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the the uh, Steve, do you do you have anything uh, that's left out that you'd like to mention? Well, we left off Santa Claus, and <laughs> like we talked about that. <laughs> Talk about obscure. We have Mall Santa Claus. We have Santa Claus. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's not a pop culture thing, right? I mean, he exists in the hearts of all of us. So I mean, and it pretty much. I mean, we can just name the tournament the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus Memorial Tournament. Oh, <laughs> um, the chocolate advent calendars. I think we mentioned that yep. that was that something that that could have gone. I, I can't think of of really. I mean, this is a pretty complete list. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the holidays, and it's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit 
in recent years, more and more as the years have gone on, and it might be regional, is uh, the Yule Log yes. broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I don't think it's um, speaking out of turn to say that I did nominate it and it got uh, taken out as we got down to 128, which I know, Scott, you'll, you're very disappointed in. It got taken out in favor of Santa with muscles and Ernie yes. saves Christmas. Yep. It got well. That's and why. I, that's why I think this must be regional because a lot of people don't know it, haven't heard it, and if the listeners, uh, if anyone listening doesn't know it, it's a broadcast uh, that in the New York area. I always tuned in Channel Eleven. Uh, it went all day for a while. Later on, it went for a part of the day. Later on, it only went for a few hours, and I'm not sure if they even do it anymore. They still do a couple hours. They still do a couple hours. Well, that's good. Two, four hours or so. That's good, at least. That on Christmas, and then on Christmas morning, uh, this channel, this local broadcast channel, would show just this video of a beautiful, roiling fire in a fireplace and play Christmas songs. The classics, some of the ones we've been talking about, you know, the Bing stuff, uh, instrumental versions of a lot of these things. Whatever they could get to show on their channel, basically. And they played classic Christmas music while broadcasting this beautiful roaring fire for hours and hours. And you could put it on, it would be your background during the day. Maybe if you were living someplace where you didn't have a fireplace, you would have that in your home. Uh, it it was just a good tradition, I think. I'm not sure if they did it everywhere, I, I don't know, but it was something that I really like. Um, I believe last year, Netflix premiered a version of it where it's a, a few half-hour segments called Fireplace for Your Home. Uh, and they also have different ones with just winter scenes, uh, Winter Wonderland for Your Home, and there's another that's a fish tank, which is a little orthogonal to to the original point, but I'm sure it's fine. Uh, it, it's it's just something I like having around the house on Christmas. It really, you know, uh, adds that mood. Uh, Steve, do they have this uh, where you grew up, or is this something you know about? Um, I I have vague recollections of seeing this. Um, I. I I remember it being, this is a weird memory that popped up as you were saying this, but I remember it being like on, on one of the home shopping networks back in the day, like um, when we only had a few channels, like um, I, th- I think the, it was like a syndicated channel that was a home shopping network. And so they ended for like a couple days because of Christmas and and put like a, a log video up. Um, I don't recall it being on any of the other channels at all, but I, I do know what you're talking about. Oh, also, uh, the Netflix one has a cat. Does the Netflix one have a cat? Yeah. What? Because there was one, I remember last year, when there were about two, there were two or three different ones on different cable channels. I think it was like Hallmark Movie Channels running one that had a cat running oh, around. Oh, God, was that actually one of the cable ones? Did I misremember? I, I think that might just have been that. I think the Netflix one might not have a cat. I'm sorry, Steve. I got your hopes up, I'm, su- I'm sure. Okay. Um, Let's make one. It's it's definitely if you haven't cut the cord yet, it might be on your cable system. Uh, if, I you, will if, make. You, if you look around the listings, overnight Christmas Eve on into Christmas Day, various channels at various times will fill out their broadcast schedule with some Yule log. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely something I always liked. 
something else I would just like to throw some acknowledgement to uh, just happened in the last few years. Uh, the Cards Against Humanity game always had uh, holiday batches where you pay like ten, fifteen dollars or whatever, and you mm-hmm. get a bunch of little things over the course of December. Uh, they're doing their last one right now. Uh, they say it's their last one, and I believe them. Uh, and that that's just always been a nice little thing to have, you know, throughout the month. Um, the war on Christmas. We 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 you are lo- the war on Saturnalia. The war on Saturnalia. The the war on Christmas. We are losing. I mean, <sighs> well, Halloween has lost. I- Thanksgiving has lost the war on Christmas, and Halloween is rapidly being overtaken. They take the entire month of December, and we fall back. They take Thanksgiving, and we fall back. The line must be drawn here! The line hasn't been drawn. They're starting to take a... They've taken the whole month of November. (laughs) Yes. There were were, uh, Christmas decorations out at our local Target in October. Yes, well... Uh, but yes, the, the the perpetual culture war that people insist on inventing so that they can win or something. We we keep we're always losing. We're always we've lost some good people in this conflict. Apparently, we lost Santa Claus at some point. They're, they're, we're doing the memorial, yeah. Uh, something else that, that didn't get in was the 2014 Place to Be podcast Christmas Spectacular, <laughs> which was uh, highly rated among us, but uh, a little bit of navel-gazing, perhaps. Well, if we're really getting down to the nitty-gritty, I would have liked to have included the 2011 Christmas Eve Giants-Jets football game where the New York Giants defeated the Jets and started their Super Bowl championship run. Definitely, definitely a highlight of that year. Definitely a highlight of that Christmas. That that was, that was an amazing game as well. Um, last thing I really want to list uh, list is the perpetual debate about how to spell Hanukkah. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, you're always running into trouble when you're trying to transliterate words from a language that does not exist in Latin script. And so people kind of harping on it as if there's one correct answer. Learn some linguistics and relax. And, and really, that is a great just statement for the holidays in general. Just relax. Yes, we'd all be a lot better off. Yes, relax. It'll be okay. Have some nog. Whatever your dietary preferences are, you can have nog. You deserve nog. Have cookies. Whatever your dietary preferences or needs, you deserve cookies. Don't think you don't. I believe in you. And above all, above all else, if you do nothing else during this holiday season, listeners, anyone within the sound of my voice, vote in the Place to Be Nation Holiday Tournament Spectacular. We will bid you adieu. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Good night.